This is Unfilter, episode 205 for September 20th, 2016. Now that we have this suspect in custody, the investigation can focus on other aspects, such as whether this individual acted alone and what his motivations may have been. A weekend of terror across the two states, including two bombings and the discovery of several unexploded devices. We have every reason to believe this was an act of terror. Everybody, welcome to Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. And boy, we got a great show lined up for you. But you know, uh, sometimes we have to do this, Chris. We got some breaking news this week uh, that we need to go right to the Situation Room. This is CNN Breaking News. And uh, and Chris, uh, man, did you hear? Did you hear about? Brad and Angelina no, Jolie. Oh, you're not doing this, dude. Did you got? Did you no, hear? No. Did you hear that they are breaking up? No. This is breaking I news. I forbid. I forbid celebrity gossip this on the breaking, unfiltered show. This is breaking news here no. in the unfiltered situation OMG, room. OMG, OMG. Uh, we, no. we have wall-to-wall no, coverage. No, 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 no. Hey. Angelina's wanting to get full physical custody of the kids. How are you doing this? Brad <laughs> has it? cheated. I know. I can't believe what's going on here. I know we're this all. This is unbelievable. We're all a little hungover from episode 204. That was a hell of a show. And we got so much feedback. Thank you to everybody who not only decided to support us at Patreon, but also just wrote in or uh, tweeted us or left a comment. Yeah. People uh, really found something, either if it was an enjoyment or fascination or concern yeah. or at least a greater understanding from last week's episode. So this week's episode, we're aiming for something a little different. We're That's gonna- right. Brad and Angelina. <laughs> this is true. James, Look James. it up. This is No! <laughs> Get it out of here. It is it is it is uh. it is true. No, no, we got some cyber and of course we're definitely okay. talking about the bombings in New York and New yeah. Jersey. Yep. And then uh the great news we covered last week in Syria has completely fallen apart and mm-hmm. uh, the bullshit is being slung about this one. Then we do have some Hillary stuff to get into and I think that really is some of the meat of the show. Oh and yeah. I'm going to mention right now just in case yeah. I forget. If you get nothing else out of episode 205 of the Unfilter show, Jump towards the end of the overtime and listen to the Clinton Foundation stuff. It's fundamental to understanding the corruption in the uh, Clinton Foundation. Some basics we cover, super good stuff. That's in the overtime. But we also, of course, have some big third-party news to cover as well as some interesting stuff that's being whispered behind the scenes from the elites. Okay. And you'll understand what I, what I mean when we get there. But, Chase. Yes, Chris. We do have to think, we do start things out, as always, with... Cyber. A little bit of cyber, ASL, buddy. baby. And, you know, we like to report from the front lines here on Unfilter. The front lines of cyber war. Persky Lab tracks malware and other suspicious activity going on right now. So you can see how it spans the globe from China to the United States. So CBS this morning is showing one of these completely bogus <laughs> bullshit activity maps. 
As you can see, it goes from China to the United States. We've we've covered uh, we've talked about these in TechSnap before. They're just they're just total shit. They're completely one hundred percent fabricated based on archived data, bogus reports, Cyber all kinds of things around the world. The Kapersky lab world. tracks malware and other suspicious activity going on right now. Someone should tell CBS that the Kaspersky Labs is a Russian company. <gasps> so you can see how it spans the globe from China to the United States. Recent cyber attacks on General Colin Powell, the DNC and state election systems are intensifying concerns about vulnerabilities in U.S. computer networks. Now, the reason why this was a misconception to begin with is those types of attacks, quote unquote, were slow, intricate Get into the user's account either through social engineering, in the case of Colin Powell, bad password practice management, right. etc. Download the data, sit on it for a while, and then release it to some outlet or or, or, or WikiLeaks or something like right. this. Yeah. But the way she, the picture she's painting you is that there is this constant attack: this machine connecting to this machine, and something could be broken at any moment. And all of this is just exemplified by these recent attacks, even though that's not how these recent attacks went down at all. Listen to how she sort of builds the picture here, creates a narrative for you. Attacks on General Colin Powell, the DNC, and state election systems are intensifying concerns about vulnerabilities in U.S. computer networks. Last night, Russian hackers released another batch of Olympians' medical records stolen from the World Anti-Doping Agency. Now, this is the CBS News, the Tiffany Network, as Chase often says, the morning news, one of the largest watched morning news shows in the United States of America. There is absolutely no proof that it's connected to the Russians. No official has come out. There's, quote unquote, experts familiar with the matter and officials who don't want to be named, i.e. those that were directed specifically to leak things. Those people have said it's the Russians, but no official has gone on the record and said it's the Russians. Information on 10 American athletes was included in this batch. Michelle Miller is outside Minneapolis with a look at the fight to protect your personal data. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. Servers like these often contain account numbers, medical records, and other sensitive information. And, of course, she's standing in front of, like, uh, some some rack. Right. And, by the way, the the well-placed ad sign that's in front of the, the yeah. door going into the server room, mm-hmm. you'd never see that. No. That is collected by businesses and government agencies. That makes them prime targets for hackers. One security expert told us that cybercrime is now more lucrative than the illicit drug trade. The old model of trying to rely on antivirus and firewalls, the bad guys are running circles around that stuff. Dan Larson is in a race to outsmart hackers. The total amount of cyber uh, threat risk uh, and it's it's like projected to be above t- uh, $10 trillion in the next couple of years. And, of course, look at her face. What? <laughs> $10 trillion? What defines risk? What defines a cyber threat? Uh, is it a cookie? Is it all the spam that I get on my computer trying to get me to click on those links? Legitimately, is yeah, it? Yeah. Is that what's considered? So is it is it the, num- individual one. Is it the number that corporate uh, spam filters detect and corporate antivirus clients detect on a daily basis of things in your internet right. temporary yeah. files? Is that is that considered? part of the cyber threat? (laughs) Is it every port scan I get? Is it every ping from a Russian IP address that I receive? Are those considered cyber threats? What is the threshold? What is classified as a cyber threat? Uh, Threat risk. Uh, and it's it's like projected to be above t- uh, $10 trillion in the next couple of years. What is the risk? $10 trillion of what? $10 trillion of what? $10 trillion? What? How come it's just- $10 trillion risks? <laughs> $10 trillion? Yeah. 
She doesn't say 10 trillion what. She just looks super surprised and then repeats the number because she knows that's going to be... 100 bajillions. Uh, 10 trillion in the next couple of years. 10 trillion? Yeah. Larson is technical director at CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike Falcon deploys in seconds. His company investigated the <laughs> attack on the DNC's Yeah, does, they're the, does it do that? They're also the pioneers in the bogus real-time hacking graph. They're the ones that they were first pioneered that. That's one of their uh, one of their gimmicks. And found a sophisticated code they believe points to Russian intelligence agencies uh, because of how yeah, the code yeah, was behaving. It did a lot of checking. <laughs> to see if a security product uh, was checking it. They were always looking over their they shoulder. Always, they were always looking over their shoulder. The time to develop uh, a little piece of code like that, you know, it had to be a well-funded, professional, full-time hacking organization. Larson said those hackers, known as Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear, <laughs> used a classic technique, spear phishing, to gain access to DNC computers. Six seconds he's in. Yep, that's all, that's all it takes. He showed us how it worked on a computer under attack from an actual hacker. Oh! All, right, all, right, all right, Chris, mm-hmm. analyze the screen. Break it down for I'm us. I'm actually, I'm, look at the title bar. He's definitely, this machine is broken. We see the, look at his task manager up there. You see how all are the characters are. Are you sure he's are, running in a VM or something? Because I see a window within a window. Yeah, whatever he's doing, though, it's super screwed up. That system is not yeah, good. Yeah, but, so, but he's running window within a window. Mm-hmm. He's got a terminal command line, but then it says that he's running Windows. It, um, where? Where do you see Windows? Right there at the bottom there. It says Microsoft Windows version 6.1.76.01. Right there. Do you not see that? I do see that. And it says sessions. Um, Here's dash. what I'm looking at. It looks like a log output that he's looking at from like uh, HTTP connections. Yeah. Doesn't that look like that? See Mozilla compatible. Yeah. It looks like uh, browser agents right there. Yeah. A victim receives an email that looks legitimate. Yeah. Act- so you mean a bogus phishing email? Okay. Yeah. All right. One that's been around. And I'm just going to click. Actually contains links to a website designed to steal passwords and other important this data. This is nothing so new. he's done. Mission accomplished. Oh, wait. There we just got a oh, shot wait, of the wait, machine. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I saw Windows XP there. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, so it's a VM is what's going on here. Yeah. And that's definitely the GNOME 3 desktop that. Uh, we're under attack. From an actual so hacker. what he did is he said a that he I, receives an email uh, that looks legitimate, right. but actually contains links to a website designed to steal passwords and other important data. So, so here it is. So it looks like see back there. I see that's the Mac OS version of Chrome, and then there's a Windows VM up there, and it looks like he's using Kali Linux down here, which that would make sense. So you know he's using VMware Workstation, right? And yeah. so what did he do? Just put it out there open. That's all he did unpatched Windows system? Is that what he did? Yeah, and then and then they're showing the log output of that unpatched window. He's hacking. He's the real hacker. This whole story is bullshit. He's, he's hacking it himself. He's hacking that VM they're showing right there, and they're claiming it's a real hacker. This entire thing is staged. Oh, of course it's staged. Because look, over here, yeah, yeah, over yeah. here in Chrome. On the left there. Is, yeah. yeah, that's CrowdStrike.com. That's one of their, that's, look at the URL. That's one, falcon.crowdstrike.com. This is one of their, this is one of their URLs. This entire thing is set up. This is one of their penetration testing tools. This is a completely bogus report. We're under attack from an actual hacker. I'm just He's gonna, the hacker. I'm going to set up a GUI interface. And uh, this will take care of the whole thing. He, th- this is unbelievable. He set up an old version of Windows too. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, VM that's what I said. It's it's an old version of Windows. Yeah. Right. Okay, you did say unpatched. That. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, and he set up an old unpatched version of Windows, attacked it from a, a Kali Linux, which is set up with tools. Uh, it's perfect for doing this kind of thing. You can install any hacking tool you'd want on that thing. Go after and all, it. It is the lowest hanging fruit possible. Scare them. Scare them all. A victim receives an email that looks legitimate, uh, but actually contains links to a website. Does- and look, Chase, look. Over up over here, uh, in the top of this picture here They're is- They're using it as the background of the- You see the XP machine, which or whatever it is, that has the screenshot of the email that he opened. So he opened up the phishing email on his Windows VM. Yep. Signed to steal passwords and other important data. So he's done. Mission accomplished. He being him. Yeah, he's done. He's in. Look how close she's sitting to him. Yeah. They almost want to kiss. In three minutes. Under three minutes. Yep, exactly. Larson says security firms are now using advanced algorithms and profiling to keep up with hackers who are constantly coming up with new tricks. What does that even mean? Is that just pattern matching like we've been doing since the, or having the beginning of, 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 of viruses? What, better looking spoofed emails? When major corporations and government agencies are attacked, personal information on millions of Americans can be compromised. I think it's a bit of a wake-up call. I hope when stuff like that gets in the news, people see it as an opportunity to increase um, their own security. Now, Larson says, be wary of emails that are marked urgent or claiming to be from the IRS. Those Uh, are red flags. He says there is a helpful trick you should use. Click on the sender's email address. If it's not from the company it claims to be, Gail, it's likely Okay, that's that's useful. All right, that's really good advice. Don't you only think it's a matter of time before we all get hacked at some point? Aren't you being Uh. extra careful with what you put in emails? Always. Yeah, always. I always was, but now I'm being extra, extra careful. (laughs) Oh, Gail. Oh, Gail. Gail, Gail. So this is almost as bad as that NBC report that one time. It's just a step up from that, where this guy hacks himself and they claim it's some hacker. Well, he's got to set it up so this way, you know, people can really see how a hack looks like. You don't want people clicking on the links themselves and having themselves hacked. Big hacks, huge hacks. Everybody could get hacked. Members of Congress are worried about the possibility that Russia is trying to hack or interfere with the 2016 elections. Fox News Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harris is with us. With what the Ooh, new evidence shows, she's in the studio. Thank you, Brett. We were able to confirm today through a law enforcement source that there is evidence that's been reviewed by the FBI that the hacking, if you will, is like bipartisan. It's not just the DNC and the DCCC, but there's evidence that they're going after what I would describe as senior Republicans within the organization. But, but what? I thought I thought they were in support of Trump. I, thought, I know. I thought Russian hackers. I mean, Trump's telling them to go hack. Well, what? But not the RNC. Trying to itself. hack their. Their personal accounts, also political accounts, with the goal... What about their, are their congressional accounts? Have they been hacked or just personal No, not accounts? that I'm aware of. Personal accounts for the most part. And what they're trying to do is really two things. One, release the information publicly, sort of as a way to offer proof that they've been effective. And then second, undermine confidence and faith in the electoral process. So they don't believe, actually, <laughs> that they can hack our voting <laughs> system. Yes, 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 yeah, uh, Catherine, I hate, hate to break it down to you. America's lost confidence in the political process. Mm. Oh, twenty years ago. Hmm. Yeah. I, that uh, that whole thing. Now, I guess now with now you got now you got a new Russian spin on. It. Did you see uh, this week that um, uh, the Huffington Post <laughs> accidentally posted that Hillary Clinton had lost the election? Like they were pre-writing that post. Really? And they had the top ten reasons Hillary Clinton lost. Oh my god. Yeah, it was kind of funny. If you want to dig around the internet, you can find it. 
But yeah, Chase, uh, we need to talk about a, a serious security measure you can take. Your buddy, my good friend, James Comey, ah, does James. it. Jim, how are you, buddy? Yeah. The next president will be confronted by threats to our cybersecurity. Yes. And this week, the head of the FBI revealed an anti hacking tool that says low tech as you can get. Uh-huh. Jeff Begay's has the tale of the tape. Can you get okay. <laughs> the tale of the tape? Oh, did you hear what Scott did there? The yeah. tale of low tech as you can get. Jeff Begay's has the tale of the tape. He loves it. He just loves it. Security officials say hackers believe every system can be broken into, even the web camera on your computer. I could break into your phone. I could break into your tablet. Tyler Cohen-Wood is a cybersecurity expert. Okay, Tyler, give it a shot. With inspired e-learning. If you're not using it. She's got, wait, uh, she's got, okay, hold on. She's got inspired, hold on, what was that? She's what? E-learning. Oh, e-learning. Oh, yeah. Inspired e-learning. What? Uh, hey, Chase, uh, yeah. what, what is inspired e-learning? Uh, I'm checking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's e-learning uh-huh. that's inspiring. <laughs> Cybersecurity um, expert with yeah. inspired yeah. e-learning. If you're not using it, turn it off. You also want to make sure that you are not using unsecured wireless access because anyone else that's on that same wireless network has the ability to sniff the traffic and potentially get into your computer that way. Just this week, FBI Director James Comey raised a few eyebrows when he suggested that you put a piece of tape over the web camera to prevent someone from turning it into a surveillance tool. You go in any government office, we all have our um, little camera things that sit on top of the screen. They all have a little lid that closes down on them. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg not only puts tape over the camera, but the microphone, too. Okay, Inspired e-learning is the gold standard for security awareness training. Named a leader in Gardner's Magic Quadrant for the second time. There you go. That's what Inspired Learning is. You know what? It's, I, it's I got just a theory a, about this. It, it's just a matter of feeling secure, right? You know, you, you, you may have, you know... Uh, uh, security system, but you still lock the doors, Chris. You still lock the doors. What's the difference between that and this? I got a little bacon. Mm, all right. It, did this bacon, by the way, come from Wenatchee, Washington? Winthrop. Winthrop. Winthrop, my friend. I, I knew Winthrop. it was a W. I forgot. So uh, I think this is like subtle promotion for the Snowden movie because there is a scene in the Snowden movie. Really? There's a scene in the Snowden movie where he's full on humping his girlfriend, but in, <laughs> instead of really. Really, and she's riding on top of him, and instead of him enjoying enjoying uh, his gorgeous girl, I'm I'm really. Why are you laughing? This is for real. I, I'm sorry. Just Snowden, uh, security movie yeah. about spying, and and you're talking about a sex scene. It's Hollywood, dude. Yeah. It's Hollywood. So Snowden is full on is full on like going at his girl, and she's sitting on top of him, and instead of him enjoying it, he can't stop staring at his webcam. <laughs> so he can't he can't finish the job because he's too distracted by his Cause, webcam because he thinks someone's going to get the sex yeah. tape the Snowden yeah. sex tape yeah he's he's so there I think this is a subtle promotion for the new Snowden movie all right well Hollywood director Oliver Stone's docudrama about Edward Snowden premiered over the weekend the film focuses on Snowden's decision to leak millions of classified government documents that exposed a covert surveillance program. RT's Trinity Chavez spoke with Stone exclusively about the movie and more. Wow. 
Oliver Stone is making headlines yet again for his controversial new film, Snowden, that hit theaters over the weekend. The biopic documents the former NSA analysis turned whistleblower who shocked the world in 2013 when he leaked classified information from the National Security Agency. I sat down with the Academy Award winning director to see exactly what he had to say about the movie. Well, uh, I had the opportunity to... uh to visit Snowden in Moscow. I was invited by his lawyer and I got to know him and over the course of like nine different trips and two years and uh, we got, my co-writer and I got a lot of inside information as to what happened which makes it a very compelling story and at the same time an exciting one because it's going on in a sense right now in this world. I'm curious, I want to watch it. Uh, I was a little turned off when I learned that Nicolas Cage is in it. I think what we should do... But I'm still curious. So I don't know if you uh, ever watch Angry Video Game Nerd. He uh, he, he actually has this uh, company that does all this stuff, Cinema Massacre, and he actually does review movies. He did a good kind of preamble of why he was going to not see the Ghostbusters movie. But I think what we should do, Chris, is right now I know it's in the theater, but I think once it comes out on video and it's available for us to watch... We should break it down? We, we should actually just do a special, one special, where we watch the Snowden flick and we talk about it mm-hmm. afterwards. I think that'd be really. I think that'd be really fun. We should do that. Yep. Uh, remind me. I will. So uh, one of the one of the things, at least since episode, I don't know, one ninety, but definitely for the last five episodes, Russian this, Russian that, real heavy, right? Super heavy down. Russian DNC, Russian emails, Russians impacting the elections. Hillary Clinton just today was talking about the Russians, um, and so. Obviously, the Russians are behind everything. So let's right. get it from the horse's mouth. What All do right. you say? Let's do it. Here we go. We have real big news. Speaking of breaking news, Fox News alert. We're going to go over. We'll do a Fox News alert for CBS. We're going to get it from the horse's mouth. Your good friend. My buddy. John Brennan, the director of the CIA, is going to talk about it. A moment ago, we reported on the Colin Powell email hack. Well, today, the director of the CIA told us that Russian hackers have been breaking into U.S. political websites for years. All right. You just heard him say it. To, years. What did he just say? What, 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 did, what did Scott just say? He just said. The director of the CIA told us that Russian hackers. The director of the CIA told Told us have been breaking into U.S. political websites. Have been breaking into U.S. political websites all right? for years. For years. It's for years. Okay, that's what the that's what the CIA okay. director just told him, right? That's Got what he just it. said. That's what he said. So now they're going to go to the interview with the CIA director where he's going to say that. John Brennan spoke to Jeff Pegues today. Jeff, what did he say? Scott, CBS News was granted rare access to the director this week. Because they're in bed with the CIA. Among the topics that we discussed, the cyber attack on state election systems and the Democratic National Committee, Brennan did not specifically blame Russia, but he... What? Wait. What? Whoa. ...did point to Russia's history of election meddling in other countries. He also told us... I'm not saying that uh, he cheated on his wife this time, (laughs) but he's cheated on his wife in the past. Right. ...that he expects more breached information to be released by hackers. Do you expect more cyber attacks, more releases before the election? Well, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if... I wouldn't be surprised isn't a yes. We see it coming out. That's actually the safest thing you could say, because if you say no, then you sound like a dumb shit. If If you you say say yes, then you could be proven wrong. But if you say, well, I wouldn't be surprised, there's literally not a safer way to answer that question. Big reveal! Yeah, because if it doesn't happen, eh, you're safe. It happens. Well, I'm not surprised. See it coming out. I think there are capabilities that a number of our adversaries have. Again, I'm not just talking about nation states or other countries. I'm talking about individuals who may want to 
demonstrate that they're able to hack into systems and, and release things for whatever their agenda might be, whether it be a political agenda or one that is just trying to undermine our, our system of democracy here. Now, whoa. wait a minute. If anything, John Brennan in this interview just downplayed the nation state actor and just played up the individual actor which is what we've speculated. These recent state local breaches could just be somebody who wanted to do a little identity theft and found some low-hanging fruit using some open-source tools to scan a website. Right. And that could be anybody. That's not exactly. Russian hackers. Yeah. And it's this whole interview, this entire clip, is predicated on John Brennan saying the Russians are going after the U.S. elections. And in the actual interview, John Brennan is saying, actually, it could be anybody. It could be anybody. Talking about nation states or other countries, I'm talking about individuals who may want to demonstrate that they're able to hack into systems and, and release things for whatever their agenda might be, whether it be a political agenda or one that is just trying to undermine our, our system of democracy here. While Brennan did not specifically blame Russia for the hack, Scott, multiple law enforcement sources tell us... Who we can't name and won't go on the record, so technically they are leaking like Snowden did. The evidence they are seeing points to Russia behind these attacks at some level. Jeff Pegay is with the interview for us tonight. Jeff, thank you. Is that not the weakest chicken shit article that, that, report? That was really like lack of anything. Like they, they, they started out, I want to play it from the beginning again. Now, a moment ago, we reported on the Colin Powell email hack. Well, today, the director of the CIA told us that Russian hackers have been breaking into U.S. political websites for years. Did he say that at no, all in the interview? No. Well, I, to be fair... What they could have had happen is, you know, they have the full interview, but they could only show this small part for the CBS Evening News. So it's possible that if he you're did the say C- it. If you're the CBS Evening News and your lead anchor is leading with that, yeah. how do you not play? If you have that, how do you not play that? you got to get clicks to your website, Chris. How do you not play that? you got to get clicks to your I, website. I disagree. I think if I you know. have them on the record saying that, you you're play right. that. You're right. You're it's right. just, just nuts to me. I know. It's, uh, that, that is such a loose-ass reporting on this. <laughs> it's bad, Chase. It's, it's real bad. It's really bad. So I want to talk about the bombings in New York and Jersey. That's, uh, that's I think, one of the stories that when people uh, watch the show, when people who watch the show for a while like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wait for the unfiltered take on, on this. Uh, so I, I have a couple of different things I want to cover, a couple of different angles of reports I want to play for you. Uh, I, uh, I'll start out with a, a news report from uh, CNN, I think it was. It sort of uh, just goes out how the whole thing unfolded, kind of give you a good timeline. And then uh, we've got some uh, on, man-on-the-street type takes on it. And then we've also got uh, some follow-up reports and then uh, kind of where things stand. Now, so we start with CNN. New York and New Jersey bombings is in custody. 28-year-old Ahmad Rahami captured after a shootout with the New Jersey police that left him and four officers injured. I heard another pop, more pops, and then it kept going, and that's when I saw the police vehicles. Authorities tipped off to his location by a bartender who was watching CNN and recognized Rahami, who was asleep in the doorway of the bar. Now that we have this suspect in custody, the investigation can focus on other aspects, such as whether this individual acted alone and what his motivations may have been. A weekend of terror across the two states, including two bombings and the discovery of several unexploded devices. We have every reason to believe this was an act of terror. Now, we, at this point, have not gotten the really conclusive ISIS link yet, but right. they're, they're, they've been talking about it now for days, and they've been saying it's terrorism for days. Now, ISIS, 
uh, interestingly, through different media outlets, has claimed responsibility for other attacks, but not directly claimed responsibility for this attack. Huh. It started at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday in the beach town of Seaside Park, New Jersey. Thousands of people were about to run a Marine Corps charity race when a pipe bomb exploded in a garbage can near the starting line. Other thing that kind of surprised me is initial reporting called it an IED. Oh, really? You know, which would be the improvised explosive device right, that yeah. it would be that, – that's something that kind of came out of the Iraq war in Afghanistan, right? That's where I kind of – that's what I associate right, the term. Right, yeah, I agree with that. Initial reporting, though, was calling it IEDs. Huh. And then uh, then later, I saw more people referring to it as a pipe bomb. I have a, th- I have a, I have a theory. So if you can, help me remember to talk about how the media began to dial down the reporting on this. This is a, this is a report that aired today, and it, it is, it's a little more t- lower tone than the initial reporting was. And I, 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 have, I, have, a, I have a little serving okay. of bacon on it. All right. Fair enough. People were about to run a Marine Corps charity race when a pipe bomb exploded in a garbage can near the starting line. Then that night, panic on the streets of New York City. A bomb built from a pressure cooker explodes. It's funny. We got uh, email into the show today. Uh, We've gotten clips. People have emailed in. Uh, I got forwarded messages today. We have some clips that we're going to play. Hopefully, and, you know, we'll see if they make it in. Where people, people that were there. Uh, in fact, I got a tweet. This, this is the perfect tweet. Uh, she said, uh, "At Chris Elias, uh, I walked by an RT reporter today, screaming into a microphone, saying that it was a total panic on the street. I looked around, and everything was totally calm. <laughs> so the media has been. Some of this has been a little overplayed too." It detonated at approximately 8.30 p.m. on 23rd Street and 6th Avenue, injuring 29, sending panicked crowds scrambling for cover. I don't know what hit me, but I threw off my feet. Police scramble, searching the area, and find another suspicious-looking pressure cooker located just several blocks away on 27th Street. Both devices were packed with ball bearings, commonly used in bombs to maximize damage. I think the pressure cooker bomb is a really important aspect of this story that I'm going to keep looking at in a broader context of some of the other uh, bombings. What, what do you think of when you think of pressure cooker bomb? I think of an enclosed device that's under high pressure with a whole bunch of crap just crammed into there. Will you do a little experiment for me? Yeah, what's up? Will you bring up the Googs? All right. And uh, will you search for uh, make a – do it incognito for me because it's logged <laughs> in as me. Yeah, thanks. Because I don't want this on my Googs history. Uh, so do incognites and uh, do a search for uh, make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. Make a bomb. In the kitchen of your mom or All something right. like that. I can't remember the exact verbiage because it's been about a year since I read this thing. Uh, and I'm curious to see what comes up. Yeah. Oh, what's what's the first link there, Chase? Uh, white uh, Inspire magazine. Ah, Inspire magazine. That's the that's the that's the shitty magazine that was supposedly published by the U.S. citizen that we droned. Remember that first U.S. citizen that we droned? Yeah. He was the publisher of Inspire magazine. AQ Chef. And what does it tell you how to make in the Inspire magazine? Uh, it tells you first a uh, chemical explosion. The explosion causes great pressure that would kill living beings. And it, I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead. Here, yeah. you know what? Here, I'll pull. Here, I'll tell you right now. If you jump ahead in there, and I don't, I don't think I have your. Uh, yeah, your screen isn't showing up. If you jump ahead in there, they tell you how to make a pressure cooker bomb. Wow. So every time they talk about a pressure cooker bomb, it's really easy to link it to Al-Qaeda and ISIS 
or Diash, whatever you want to call it, because they always get to reference back to this original Inspire magazine propaganda that is total bullshit, that is not some magazine that has inspired jihadis to attack all over the world. It's a piece of shit PDF that's been put together that really would it, it you can you can look at it, it's amateur stuff, right? Hey Chris, I think there's somebody at the door. Right, right. But that's the, so the, the the fact that these are pressure cooker bombs has a much bigger context to it, and they just slip it in because it's the beginning of establishing a narrative in the eye of the public. Police scramble, searching the area, and find another suspicious-looking pressure cooker located just several blocks away on 27th Street. Both devices were packed with ball bearings, commonly used in bombs to maximize damage. Investigators say surveillance footage shows a man they believe to be Rahami with a duffel bag at both Manhattan locations. He leaves the bag at the location where police later find the unexploded pressure cooker. A multi-state manhunt is launched for Rahami after he's identified by a fingerprint left on a cell phone in one of the explosive devices. At 9.30 p.m. on Sunday, a backpack containing up to five pipe bombs is found in a garbage can outside a neighborhood pub. The garbage can thing is interesting. Now, I'm no expert, but I did watch a lot of experts, quote unquote, talk about this on the different media shows. And a couple of different explosive experts talked about how stupid it is to put a pipe bomb in a garbage can. And at first I was like, well, why does that matter? Why? If you heard that, do you have any guess as to why that would be? Uh, easily found? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't. Yeah. Turns out the, the most garbage cans, especially these big, robust ones on city streets, they just they channel the explode channel. They channel the explosion of a pipe bomb upward instead oh, of outward. Right. And so it does a lot less damage. Like you have, you are significantly reducing the damage potential of a pipe bomb by putting it in a garbage can. So if he is getting, um, if he's being inspired by ISIS, they they're not doing a very good job. They're not giving him good info. Wow. Maybe he needs to reread the Inspire magazine. At 9:30 p.m. on Sunday, a backpack containing up to five pipe bombs is found in a garbage can outside a neighborhood pub and about 500 feet from a train trestle. One of the bombs detonated when police sent a robot in to examine the devices. Robocop. After two men had alerted them. There you go. So that's sort of wow. the current state of things. Now, a uh, YouTuber, uh, his name, he goes by Casey, I think it's Nicent. I'm sorry, Casey, if I'm getting your name wrong. He lives down in the area, and of course, he has a, he has a well-followed channel. He has pretty high production. So I kind of wanted to start with his take right there on the ground, too. On the route of like a running race, nobody was injured. Uh, so right now, the main focus is to make the area safe, uh, Fred. Later that night, a homemade bomb exploded in a dumpster on 23rd Street, about 35 blocks from here, injuring 29 people. The explosion at 8.40 p.m. tonight, this video coming from across the street. A couple hours later, a second bomb was found on 27th Street, one that had not detonated. A pressure cooker, there you have it, found just four blocks away. At and then last night, Sunday night, around 9 o'clock, Five pipe bombs were found in Elizabeth, New Jersey. That is just across the river from here. And they noticed a package in a wastebasket. One of those bombs detonated while the police were trying to disarm it. Then this morning, just before 8 a.m., my phone, my wife's phone, we got an emergency alert about a wanted suspect in the New York City area. And then, about a half an hour ago, in Linden, New Jersey, after a police shootout, they caught the suspect they were looking for. I don't know the details. I just know the end result at this time. Are they- eh, 
this is Union Square. Totally quiet here. No, uh, no noticeable extra police protection or soldiers or anything extreme like that. Just, uh, just business as usual. Have the recent events in the city, like the attack that happened Saturday, give you any pause about being here, being on the street, your safety, anything like that? No. No, not at all. We're here to live. Even here in Times Square, it feels quiet. NYPD Tactical is here. There's some extra cops, but for the most part, there's a lot of people. It looks like from out of town, soaking up the city. This is CNN Breaking yeah, News. And, uh, panic Chris on the streets. We're... Panic on the streets. Chase, are you there? There's panic on the streets. Uh, uh, no, Chase, uh, Chris. Send the police. There's panic on the streets. Chase. Uh, uh, Chris, we're actually getting reports from this uh, well-known YouTuber. He's letting us know there's no panic. It's pretty calm. There's no panic. No panic. Uh, all right, guys, let's wrap it up. Let's go to lunch. We're done here. And now here's Steve Poole with weather. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of that's it's interesting to hear the different takes on it. Um, I, I guess I, this there's one aspect of the story that's kind of interesting. How the suspect was a sp- bar spotted. owner spotted Ahmad Rahami around 9 a.m. this morning. A bar owner sleeping in the doorway of his bar. He Ugh. recognized him from watching CNN. Police <laughs> approached. A shootout ensued. Yeah, so that that's interesting. Also, did you hear about the guy's dad? No. Uh, yeah, I guess his dad's like, I reported him to the FBI years ago. What? And yeah, I, I, that's what he says. That's what he says. He says he's not a terrorist. Here's what he said. He said he's not a terrorist. The FBI know that. They, and then he stops talking. I told them about it two years ago, he says. after That's like almost a direct quote. It's really it is it is really weird. We have some really interesting clips in the supporter sync. If you are a supporter and you still have our BitTorrent sync going, uh, some people on the street that recorded with their phones, some pretty intense stuff. All of it is in the supporter sync. If you uh, want to check it out, I want to break down. I always like to look at how politicians take advantage of a situation like this. So I thought let's break down this one. This seemed like a good one. It's Senator Burr. And uh, he takes the opportunity to make political hay here. Uh, The White House press secretary today is saying that actually we are just in a war of narratives against ISIS. Your reaction to that? Uh, That it shows you how out of touch uh, this administration is with the terrorism that we see uh, in New York and New Jersey and Minneapolis. But more importantly, the threat list that I look at every morning. So there's been no official link, right, at this point. And he's already making this this association. But then he says, it's so much worse, you should be way more afraid. I look at every morning as the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, where uh, I look at more threats globally around the world than anybody could ever imagine. So to say this is a surprise, no, it's not. I've been on your show and said it's a matter of time. See, you're never wrong when you say it's a matter of time, especially when you have an FBI that often helps them accomplish oh, it yeah, yeah. Or, or when, you know, there is a massive amount of people who are underrepresented and extremely angry about their situations or when you're droning families, you're never going to be <laughs> wrong. Eventually no. that. So when you and then to have the, the wrinkly white-haired nutsack to sit here on this show and be like, I told you this is going to happen because I said something that could never be wrong. Now, I've, now I'm absolutely right. It doesn't, it, it's a no. dick move. Yeah, it's very dick. Show and said it's a matter of time. If it's not here, it's Europe. If it's not Europe, it's Asia. It's going to continue to happen until we take this If it's not on Venus, here. it's on Earth. You know, I mean, come on. It's eventually going to happen. Seriously. And we eliminate the ability for either direction or facilitation uh, by ISIL or Al-Qaeda or any of the offshoots that are out there. Uh-huh. As long as there's intent and capability, then we're in the red area of the bullseye. Wow. That is, that would, that would, that, that is indefinite. 
This guy sits at the head of the intelligence committee, and this is how he thinks? This is how he looks at the world? I mean, I have to take the man at his word. Yeah. <laughs> how will that – How will that? Con- unless we literally kill everyone that is not pro-American, right. how would that ever be accomplished? I know. How could that ever be done? Every chat bot that, ha- that has American slang on Twitter, every, every – how are you going to do that? How, how – listen to that standard. Intent and capability – then we're in the red area of the bullseye. Intent is listed as part of his requirement. If you have the intent or capability, intent. Out there. As long as there's intent and capability, then we're in the red area of the bullseye. Jesus, then we're always going to be in the red area of the bullseye. Then the intelligence agencies always have license to do whatever they want. They're always going to renew the 9-11 emergency. They're, this is This is indefinite. What keeps you up at night? Oh, that, that, that question. That, that, that question that we've heard asked how many times to how many different people? What keeps you up at night? Chris, what keeps you up at night? How many times have I said how much I hate this question? It is, it is the biggest douchebag answer. So first of all, just quickly, it reinforces this horrible American culture where you're only valued if you're overworking, if you're putting in too much, if you stress about something too much, if you really grind yourself down about something. And it's also a great way to say something's a concern without really committing to it being an issue. It, and it also, by the way, yeah. does imply a slight anxiety issue that perhaps all of these people in government should look into. What keeps you up at night. My cat jumping in and out of my window. I hate that. That keeps me up at night. What keeps you up at night? Um, from everything that we know, what keeps me up is what I don't know. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> what kind oh. of nonsense is that? So, wow. So not only will as long as someone has intent to do us harm, we will always be in the bullseye, but because we can never know what we don't know, as Rumsfeld would say. What you don't know, now you know. You don't know what you don't know. So, in other words, this man, according to this man, we will never, ever possibly be safe. There is no scenario in which we will be secure, and we should always be shitting ourselves and handing over all of our rights to the intelligence agencies to keep us safe. Remember, he sits at the head of the Intelligence Oversight Committee. This man is the head of the whole beast. He is the tip of the iceberg. This, this man represents the wishes and the intents of our intelligence communities. And what keeps him up at night is the fact that there is infinite possibilities of threats, and we will never know all of them. That's what keeps him up at night. What keeps you up at night? Um, from everything that we know, what keeps me up is what I don't know. And the reality is that uh, technology allows a, a lot of communications Cyber. that we can't see inside with or without a court order. And- oh, God. Encryption. Encryption. That's encryption. He's talking about uh, what keeps him up at night, you guys, is encryption, too. Communications that we can't see inside with or without a court order. And it's that communication. Some of it may uh, we may find in the media of uh, Raham, but uh, but but we'll have to wait to see. Hopefully, we can use this as a political excuse to bust open the encryption debate once again. Oh man, it makes me it makes me a little sick to my stomach. And I think the media overall wants to kind of downplay this entire thing because if 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 terrorism attacks become a major election issue. I think people will prefer I think I think people would lean Trump even though Hillary has all this experience. 
I think people would lean Trump if they were worried about continued terrorism attacks. So I think the media has dialed it down from IEDs to ah, pipe because, bombs. because because of that. Yeah, I think they're just a dial. You know, CNN man, CNN. They're just they dial it down a little bit. They don't have to. They don't have to lie. They just dial it down. Just, just notch it down. Let's go back well, before we totally get out of terrorism and we shift gears for the episode. I have one more clip I want to talk. Actually, we got to talk about Syria too. So I got a few more clips. But let's before we get away from the intelligence agencies, let's do a little more Brennan. With America facing challenges all over the world, CIA Director John Brennan Sorry. says his workforce needs to evolve and, der- and diversify to meet that threat. travel with Brennan. I'm sorry. Or I should, Charlie. You know, Charlie laugh. just stays he, up he too late. He works too much. He works. He does. You know what? what yeah. Charlie, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. You know, he just won an award, too. I know. Yeah. World CIA Director John Brennan says his workforce needs to evolve and, der- and diversify to meet that threat. Jeff Gaze traveled with Brennan on a recruitment trip and got unprecedented access to the director. Huh. Funny. Huh. And remember remember how your good buddy. My friend. Mike Morell was. How, yeah, uh, my buddy Mike. Was a CBS contributor who also right. happened to be, uh, and then he then he had to quit because he wanted to thrust himself into the political process. Yeah, but it's interesting how they just keep having these uh, these great connections with the CIA it's over nice. and over again. It's really nice. Yeah, it's it's great access, isn't it? You know, it's like you know when you go to Facebook and you, it tells you you know who you might want to be friends with and it gives you suggestions. Well, yeah. you know these are just suggested friends. Yeah, and uh, when you're in the media and in selling and trading information and collecting and distributing information is your business, it sure is very valuable to have friends at places like the CIA. Yes. So you might just be willing to do what they want you to just to have that exclusive access, especially if you're the CBS network. To evolve and, der- and diversify to meet that threat. Epigay's travel with Brennan on a recruitment trip and got unprecedented access to the director. It's an interview you'll see only on CBS this morning. Jeff, good morning again. Charlie, good morning. Few people in this country know more about ISIS. And- you laughing at the good morning again? Good morning again. Yeah, because they're so scripted, yeah. And the threat of terrorism than CIA Director John Brennan. He lived in the Middle East, speaks fluent Arabic, and has more than 30 years in national security. When we spoke with him last week, before the events of this past weekend, he told us that he believes the terrorist organization's days are numbered. We interviewed the CIA director several times over a 24-hour period. John Brennan's motorcade arrived at Andrews Air Force Base. Good to see you. Nice to see you, too. Shortly before this unmarked Air Force jet was scheduled to take off. This is how the CIA director travels. The plane is equipped with secure systems, ensuring that he can communicate with the president during a crisis. You see how they brought out the... Wait, but wait. Wait a minute. They just... No, no, that's not the same jet. Could they have just accidentally... No, no, hold on, keep playing. Okay, so does anybody in the chat room know how to look up tail tail fin numbers? The number is nine zero zero three. But there's no there's no uh, letter in front of it. Usually it's November and. Okay, so hold on, I'm going to back it up because it looks like as they crossfaded between that's two. That's not cliffs, the same plane because look that plane on the right. Oh, blue. Yeah, you're right. It's not and the same and there's no American flag on. Yeah, it. you're right. Travels. The plane is equipped with secure systems, ensuring that he can communicate with the president during a crisis. We were headed to Alabama. <laughs> there it is. The CIA did not allow us to record video during the flight, but we were permitted to tape the audio. During an hour and a half interview on board, the director told us he worried about ISIS's success in inspiring attacks worldwide. They have invested in this over the past several years. Oh my God. And right now, I think they're trying to reap the harvest of those investments. 
Well, ha- have you not heard of a Zoom audio? It's really bad, isn't really? it? Really? Yeah. A focuses on external threats. Brennan has also been looking at shortcomings within the intelligence agency itself. In 2013, he ordered a study on diversity. The results racial and ethnic minorities make up just under 24% of the workforce and about 10% of the senior intelligence positions. Great to see you. On the day we followed him, Brennan was visiting Miles College, a historically black college near Birmingham. If everybody at the agency looked like me and thought like me. and So they invited him along on the most boring day of the CIA directors. I mean, not to downplay doing that, but let's be honest, that's not. This, well, this is a PR stint. It is. It's definitely and PR I, stint. Isn't it interesting that they're doing this for Brennan right now? And I don't know, is it because of the election? I can't figure out why, because this is, this is not the first week. Just a couple yeah. of weeks ago, we had more Brennan clips. Right. He's been getting a lot of media time. It's, uh, there's something there. And yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, and remember when the uh, when the nine eleven uh, twenty eight pages were coming out? Yeah, Brennan was in the news then, talking That's about true. it and defending yeah. the CIA. Yeah, so they've been rolling him out for different stuff. It's it's it, there's something there, but yeah, there's something going on. It's worth watching. So remember last week we had the good news about the ceasefire. In yeah, Syria? finally, you finally. know, you know, Kerry went over there. We yeah. talked some things out, made it happen. Iron Duck didn't quite work out at the G twenty, but uh, uh, Lavrov and uh, Kerry, yeah, yeah, they got it, and woo, we got a ceasefire, everybody. Well, well the ceasefire in Syria is over today. Oh. The Syrian army called for its end, but the U.S. and Russia both hope they can salvage it. RT's Lizzie Phelan has more on those efforts. Initially, it was expected that the Russians and the Americans would start cooperating uh, and coordinating their air campaigns against both ISIL and the formerly named al-Nusra Front, now named Fatah al-Sham. Fatah al-Sham. So remember last week we said, yeah, they're going to coordinate their air attacks and now they're going to work together. Everything's going to go good. There shouldn't be any issues, Uh, except for the U.S. didn't do that coordination part. And well, reports of American-led coalition airstrikes that may have hit Syria troops and vehicles and oh. may have killed dozens of what? Syrian army forces. No. The United States Military Central Command now releasing a statement on these airstrikes. On the phone with me, our Pentagon correspondent, Barbara Starr. Uh, Barbara, uh, this comes amid a critical ceasefire between the United States and Russia. What do we know about what happened and where? Well, this probably was in eastern Syria, a place called the Azor. The U.S. military, the coalition, thought it was striking an ISIS target, personnel, troops, and vehicles that it had been watching for some time. They had actually, under pretty standard procedures, uh, spoken to the Russians ahead of time, giving them a general area that they were targeting, but not the specifics. But about 25 minutes into the series of airstrikes, the Russians apparently called back to the U.S. and said, you are hitting Syrian forces, Mm. not ISIS. At that point, the U.S. military says it immediately withdrew its aircraft and struck no more targets there. Uh, They are certainly looking into uh, how this all happened, where the mistake was made. Jeez, that's a huge mistake to make. I thought we had all these precision instruments, uh, intelligence on the ground, we have satellite, all of these things, and yet... We made right during the during the ceasefire. We made a critical, critical mistake. The U.S. military saying one of its coalition airstrikes aimed at ISIS may have unintentionally struck Syrian forces. It happened in the eastern part of the country on the fifth day of a fragile ceasefire. The Associated Press is reporting that Russia claims at least 62 Syrian soldiers are dead. The U.S.-led coalition is now calling off its air campaign against the Islamic State terrorists in that area. Aaron. 
Now, you heard the uh, key line there. The Russians are saying, the Russians claim, well, we don't... We don't like that very much. And Samantha Powers over at the U.N. was the face for this frustration. And this clip uh, covers a little bit of that in a moment. Tensions between the U.S. and Russia simmering overnight after reports the U.S. airstrikes may have accidentally hit Syrian military forces just hours ago. The U.N. Security Council holding an emergency meeting at Russia's request. The United States... So Russia says, okay, we got to have a meeting, right? we got to have this meeting. This is bad. The U.S. is striking these targets that are legitimate targets. They're not legitimate targets. Right. and the U.N. responds to that uh, meeting with uh, with what you might call uh, a little frustration. That's saying the target appeared to be ISIS terrorists and then slamming Russia for what it called an outrageous political stunt. Listen. Seriously? And they're calling this emergency meeting? We just killed a few soldiers right after a ceasefire. What's the big deal? Really? Imagine how often... This council would be meeting if we were to gather every time the regime or Russia struck a hospital or a school. The ceasefire agreed. That does not sound like uh, positive words for a ceasefire. No, it doesn't. By the way, at this point, the U.S. media was still claiming the ceasefire was in place. Agreement in Syria's civil war is still fragile, but it is holding. So we're still calling it a civil it's war. It's holding. Nice. And we're, right. say, and we're yeah. saying it's still holding. Uh, however... The uh, the Syrian army is saying, bullshit, it's over, we're striking, and now the U.S. is trying to basically cover their own mistakes up by attacking the wrong terrorists, <laughs> I guess, oh, uh, by saying, well, look, look at what they're doing, look at what the they're United doing. The United Nations shut down all aid shipments to Syria this morning after a convoy was hit by an airstrike. You just hit one of our convoys! The Syrian Red Crescent says the overnight attack killed its top official in that location. See, they do it too. See, they did it too. It follows a weekend airstrike by the American-led coalition that killed dozens of Syrian government troops. Elizabeth Palmer is in Aleppo, Syria, where the violence has left a week-long ceasefire in shambles. Shambles. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. Well, the ceasefire had held barely for a week, and then suddenly last night the Syrian army declared unilaterally that it was over. And almost immediately, shells began to rain down on the opposition-held side of Aleppo. Shortly afterwards, an airstrike hit the aid convoy. This is the warehouse of the Syrian Christians. Abroad this house with, uh, where uh, more than 20 vehicles, 20 trucks full of food, full of food and the flour and medicine and bombers and blankets. And the Red Crescent warehouse where it was unloading humanitarian relief. Just in time. Just in time. Really the perfect story right after we right. accidentally bombed the wrong people. We, just the perfect thing. Uh, so this whole thing, to me, is uh, yeah, a little suspicious. Decline as the shelling continues this morning. The UN is furious. Its aid chief has said that if it turns out the convoy was deliberately targeted, that could amount to a war crime. So us going after... I mean, right. you see the hypocrisy, yeah, yeah, right? I don't even. Right. I don't even. Yeah. No, to... no, no. You, you've painted it. Meanwhile, quite well. the United yes. States is still saying that it is open with Russian cooperation to resurrecting the ceasefire. Charlie. Elizabeth, thank you. Uh, reporting from the chat room, there was a Galaxy Note Seven in the supply truck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Mr. Chase. Before we get into uh, the uh, second half of the show, where yes. we're really going to shift gears here, I want to say a special thank you to our supporters. Four hundred and seventy-nine of you who say this show it's was going up, Chris. You know that is it's really nice to see because we do work super hard on this show every week, and so we a little a little secret sauce for here, you guys. We had to record this show early. Yes. And uh, I, you know, it's really a shout out to producer Matt who who helped me double down on all of the clips. And Chase was able to rearrange things on his schedule to make it here for the show, so we could all do it. Because we're trying to we're trying to shore some things up behind the scenes at JB, and uh, I'm going to use Wednesday and Thursday to do that. But I didn't want to miss a show, and so everybody was able to step up and we're able to get it done and double down on this week's episode. Boom! And I know it doesn't seem like a big thing, but moving this show up one day. Is a phenomenal amount of work. Oh yeah, and so uh, it really, it really is nice to see people supporting the show and understanding the amount of work that goes into it and the value that I think Unfilter brings, especially as these major events unfold. So, Mr. Chase, I'm I'm hoping that uh, we can uh, jump into your sack yes! here, buddy. Yes, it's sack time. Now, this was a short notice sack, but we did get some content. Got a couple of messages here. First one coming in from the Blade. Hashtag zombie Hillary. Oh. I'm assuming you've seen the video of her interview on the plane. We're going to cover that in just a moment. Interestingly enough, many of the Parkinson's disease drugs, especially dopamine, agonists, cause excessive sleepiness and can even cause someone to fall asleep randomly. A research article said higher doses were more likely to cause it, and as many as one out of five experience it. Maybe her drugs have been increased after her 9-11 issue. Interested to hear if you have any more news or thoughts on that. If you've been wondering about the gas pipe leak in Alabama, it has been causing a fuel shortage here Mm, in North Carolina. I heard about that, yeah. Yeah. Some places have no gas and others have jacked up prices because of it. Most places with gas only have regular. I think if uh, people just went about their normal lives, it wouldn't be so bad. Uh, but I've received multiple emails from people at work saying, go fill up everything because there's a shortage. Oh, well. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Thank you, Blade. Thank you. And guess who's checking in again for, I think, what, the third or fourth week in a Mr. row? V. Mr. V. I assume you're going to delve deep into the latest Clinton Circus story. IT asks Reddit on how to remove VIP email addresses from a PST file very urgently. Coming up. That's right. So... That is it this week for the mail sack segment. There you go. There you go. Let's wrap it up with that. So a special thank you to the patrons at the 33 level who you can get your you can get your thoughts into Chase's mail sack and we read it here in this segment. Patreon.com slash unfilter. There's different tiers that uh, you can jump in at. And uh, if you want to help me beta test Libre Vault for the Ooh. next generation of the supporter sync, I'll have information probably in a couple of weeks. I'm I'm kind of watching a few development things at Libre Vault. That's sort of setting the pace there, but we'll be revamping the supporter sync. Over nice. to Libre Vault with a whole new back-end storage and all of that stuff. Very nice. Which all will play into an episode of the next action show and all of it. It's pretty cool. And that's right. And if it fits, it ships. Don't forget that. Hey-oh, what? Let's talk about Hillary. So you can you can tell there was some interest there just by the looking in your sack. And I want to start with bacon that's flying all over the internet. Yeah, more bacon this time from Winthrop. I think what the issue is is that at this point, people just don't know what's going on. No. And ev- everybody suspects everything. And there is a lot of people on YouTube that are capturing what seem to be very suspicious moments with Hillary. And they're doing full analysis. And there's one. Ooh, that's nice. What was that's, that? 
Uh, that was Frederick, who just signed up as a Patreon over at patreon.com slash unfiltered. <laughs> nice! Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Frederick. That was very cool. So if that happens during the show, you get an alert? No, I just got an email. and I had my Because oh, okay. I was reading email from the supporters during nice. the segment. Very but, yeah, nice. I left it open, but yeah, that was that was what that was. Very good. Uh, so this... this um, this phenomenon is 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 misdirecting people. So one of the one of the core issues when covering Hillary is there's stuff that is very real, like the Clinton Foundation stuff that we cover in the overtime, and there's stuff that is misdirection. Like there was a lot of misdirection around her supposedly getting a neurological test at the 9/11 event, which was which was totally bogus. Right. Uh, I firmly believe that the body double thing is completely bogus. I I think that I I really just think that the people are really stretching and the Parkinson's. Hypothesis actually explains everything that happened, why she was able to come out and pose. It wasn't yeah. a body double. I, right. I, there's a lot of crap. Yeah. And one of the craps that's floating around because people, people don't understand how cameras work is that Hillary isn't actually at these events. Or the crowds are not actually at these events. These are two different big theories that are going around online right now is that Hillary is green screening in the crowd and these events. What? That's the conspiracy. I'm going to play a little bit of this for you. Oh, boy. So I've grabbed two of them so we can go through and debunk a little bit of this. All right. And uh, so this one comes from um, Victorious Liberties. You can look at his YouTube account. And uh, folks, good morning. I wanted to show you something that was brought to my attention earlier this morning. This is quite amazing. I'm not sure what they're up to, but this is from the uh, Hillary Clinton rally in Greensboro, North Carolina, two days ago. Check this out. All I did was reduce the speed. And you can find a lot of different ones. You can find them at different events. Um, um, and w- so what he's about to demonstrate is it appears that this crowd is not actually at the event, the crowd in front of the camera. To a quarter speed. How, what would you describe this to the audio listeners, Chase? Like this, right. Well, you're talking about – well, he's, he's – You doing, have a camera frame here and there is a group of people standing in front of the camera. In, the the stage is in front of them. Phones, right. Yeah, and they're recording Hillary as she walks out on stage, right? Yeah, yeah the, the only thing I have a problem with is we don't know the footage that he's using or what he's pulling from either, right? Oh, well, actually – so the one thing about these events is there's really just one master feed from a right. from one – So why isn't he using the one from, from the – Campaign's website, for example, I wouldn't or get or YouTube or whatever. I, I think you're on the wrong track. There's this. Is, I just want to make because hold on one I'm, sec. Pause. Yeah, okay. This is one of like there's like hundreds of these on YouTube, right. and it, that's what you're focusing on. Is this is just this is just an example. We're just debunking one example. There's hundreds. Okay. Uh, the the that fee, that is sort of they all have different angles and stuff. All right. But the core concepts are demonstrated in this clip. This what what, what the core thing that, the, uh, that he wants you to look at is the crowd in front of the camera. That's what they all try to demonstrate. There's a crowd. They're in front of the stage and they're recording Hillary. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, the way generally it works is the local affiliate just sends that feed out to everybody. So a lot right. of them are generally using the same feeds. But there's also, and this is where it gets murky, is this, there's multiple events. So it's not just one event. There's like three or four different, uh, right, different events. speakers. Yeah. And, yeah so like so, it, yeah, totally. uh, so it, there's, angle, there's all, different feeds, different angles, different events. I want you to take notice of these cameras and the phones. Where, where's the background? Here comes Hillary. Where are the flags on these people's phones? So what he's trying to demonstrate, what they all try to demonstrate is there is no the, – the phone camera feeds appear to be different than what's actually there on location. Right. There's no cameras. Yeah, I, there's I, no I caught that right away. Yeah. Where are the flags? Nowhere. That's not that background. 
And if you look really carefully in the in the in the one the very last one there on the left, you can kind of see the flags made out. What what people don't understand, especially armchair analysts, and not that I'm much better, but what they don't understand is the angle on these cell phone cameras is so much wider. Oh yeah. And so what looks really close to this really professional camera with a big lens yeah. on it that zoomed way in, what looks really close is is totally different on a camera phone that could be significantly closer. Around. Something's going on. Keep an eye on the phones. So then when, of course, when Hillary walks out, uh, no, there's no Hillary on anybody's camera. And that's sort of what everybody freaks out about. And uh, I'll just one more example, just because there's this is this is taking off a lot. And I, the reason why I want to cover this is I suspect a lot of our audience will start seeing this over the next couple of weeks. And I want to kind of put a stop to it right now. Here's another one, because I think all, all of this suffers from the same basic problem is they look at the camera feeds and there's no Hillary. There's no Hillary in that shot or there's no flag in that shot. They even look. So they'll have they'll draw arrows on the screen. and They'll say, look, the camera's pointed this direction. Right. And Hillary should be right here. And look, this person is brought in via green screen. Right. There's there are if you look, I bet if you look at uh, on YouTube right now, let's just do a little uh, let's just do a quick little search right here live on the show. If you look for Hillary video glitch. I bet you will find something. This is these things are taking off. So glitch. I don't even know for sure, but yeah. So look, fake video feed, proof of Clinton green screen confirmed. That's the video title, right? Okay. And it's simply this one I think so here again they show the people with the cameras. If you watch this, it's See my opponent has America all wrong. There's I'll turn down the audio so we don't have to listen to her, but <laughs> watch if you watch her, she's her image starts glitching out. It starts, you see how she has issues. Yeah, but that, that happens because of live feed, site, right. sat trucks. That exactly. happens all the time. I'll explain more. But so she, her, the picture of Hillary. And some, the reason why she's glitching out and not, not the background is. You're jumping on me here. You're jumping. Right, let me finish. Let all me, because right. there's people that aren't, that aren't watching. See, okay. So she, she sometimes completely disappears from frame. Uh, sometimes she looks all scattered. She looks all glitchy. It looks like she's disappearing and reappearing into the frame. Now, you explain why that is. Well, for, first off, she's the one that's moving. Okay? She, she's the one that... And why does that matter? Well, because when you're dealing with, like, you know, high definition or compressed signals, whatever the case may be, the background's not changing. She's the one that's changing because she's moving all the time. So if there's a the loss way of, MPEG compression and right. most compression works is if if there's a section of the video gonna, yeah, that doesn't yeah. change, it doesn't bother updating it. Right. And if you look closely, you can see some degradation in the lines of the flag behind her. But so this is one of the images you'll see on Reddit and getting spread around a lot. Is this is a clear that they're just sort of placing her in the scene? But that's not what's happening. No, is it? no, it's not. No, it's it's really bad compression, is what it is. Yeah, it's a remote feed and, with bad and, compression. And to be fair. I've used live view and it's possible that they might be using a live view here to get the signal out of this place, which isn't compressing the, the signal in the first place. So yeah. I, I'm not buying it. In fact, when I watch these live events in real time, they start with a really low bit rate overall and it slowly it ramps, ramps up. up. Yeah. And um, so this this kind of corruption is being analyzed by people and saying this. What was the title? Hillary Clinton, fake video feed, proof of green screen confirmed. This is not proof of green screen. It's green proof screen of, doesn't do this. It's proof of bad MPEG compression is yeah. what it is. Yeah. So there's a lot of – I know this is kind of – that was a long trip to get there. I apologize. But I want to demonstrate there is a lot of 
bogus claims about the Clintons. That's not body doubles, bad compression. That's not the stuff we're going to talk about today. I think that's I think that is honestly bullshit distraction stuff. I do want to kind of pick back up on the Parkinson's hypothesis, which was talked about in episode 204. And with that hypothesis in mind, I want to look at this next clip. This uh, this clip is actually remarkable for two reasons. You you probably familiar with the fact that uh, the media jumped all over Donald Trump uh, early in the uh, NYC attacks for calling it a bombing. This is an interview that, by the way, was edited by CNN. The version that aired on CNN, Hillary does not say bombings. Uh, so I've gone to somebody's cell phone camera of the event because it's not edited. It's where she still calls it a bombing. And and then what's important to listen is a few moments later, they ask her to respond to Donald Trump calling it a bombing. And I want you not only to listen to the content of it, but watch Hillary's body language and her energy levels, especially keeping in mind that email we just got during the uh, mail sack. I've been briefed uh, about the bombings in New York and New Jersey. What did she say? I've been briefed about the bombings in New York and New Jersey. The bombings. Okay. Keep that in mind. I've been briefed uh, about the bombings in New York and New Jersey and the attack in Minnesota. Uh, Obviously, we need to do everything we can to support our first responders. She is so tired that she is... It is literally taking one banana, two bananas before her eyelids move up. Wow. She is exhausted. She is really tired here. Uh, also, to uh, pray for the victims. Uh, we have to let this investigation unfold. We've been in touch with uh, various officials, including the mayor's office in New York, uh, to learn what uh, they are discovering as they conduct this investigation. So it might be a little hard for some of you to hear. She says, we've been in contact with the mayor's office to learn what they're discovering throughout the investigation. You know what that sounds like to me? What's that, Chris? That sounds like that when these people are in the middle of investigating a serious situation, they're getting pestered constantly by the Clinton campaign to get updates. <laughs> let like, us know. Tell us what's going on. Go away. Yeah, you, let them do their job. You have nothing to do with this. You're a candidate right now. You are not in office. Right. If, when, yeah. Let me know when the president's calling. Go away. Stop pestering me. Let me do my job. That's what I hear when I hear that the Clinton campa- campaign is calling the mayor's office. And I'll have more to say about it when we actually know some facts. So she's concerned about the bombing. She'll, she's thinking and praying for the victims, talking to the mayor while well, she's not her people are, and she'll have more to say about it later. Now it's time to ask the question. The first question about the bombings to Clinton is... Patrick, do you have any reaction to the fact that Donald Trump immediately upon taking the stage tonight called the explosion in New York a bomb and said that to the crowd? Do you have any reaction to Donald Trump immediately calling this a bomb? That's the next question. Hillary, 48, uh, about 46 seconds called ago, it a bomb. called it a bomb. A bombing. Well, I think it's important to know the facts about uh, any incident like this. Uh, that's why it's so critical to support the first responders, the investigators uh, who are looking into it, trying to determine what did happen. Uh, I think it's uh, always... Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Um... You know why I think that clip is important? Why is that? All of the media in that room listening to her and all of the all of the outlets that reported on it, they all had the same clip where she calls it a bombing and then she attacks Donald Trump for calling it a bombing. And none of them 
except for a couple of like the media analysis guy on Fox and 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 somebody on Fox Business. Right. None of them none of them said a thing. They all continued to attack Trump for calling it a bombing, even though they have a clip right there. Right. And and 47 seconds after she says it, she attacks Trump for saying it. This perfectly demonstrates how the media is in the bag for Hillary, how they silently support her. And, they edit and, and, out. Yeah, you said they edited CNN that out. edited out her calling it a bombing. Other other organizations didn't play it. They don't talk about the fact that she looks like she's about to pass out. They they've they've stopped calling it pneumonia. I don't have a single clip this week about them calling it pneumonia. Nobody's talking about it. She's totally fine now. She's fine. And by the way, now when she's at a speech and she starts coughing, the guy in the audio booth cuts her mic. So they're they're on top of that now. There's the, the uh, I have a couple of links in the show notes if you guys want to read it. But um, wow, basically, the reports have been there. The surveys are shown. It, it varies. Some people say 30 percent of the U.S. population still trust the media. Other outlets say only six percent. And the number one cause that they, they say that the trust in the U.S. media has plummeted because of the election, yeah. because of the way they're covering the election. And I think I, I if you've been a little down about the choices we have going into this election, take take a little comfort in the fact that I believe this election is finally driving perhaps the final nail in the mainstream media's coffin because the trust for the media is so low and there are so so many beautiful examples available for people right now in the last two weeks to see how the media is in the bag for Hillary Clinton. It's it is really a beautiful time for anybody who cares to watch because it's never been more obvious. It's never been like more accessible to people to see how clearly they're manipulating things. Yeah. If you just look a little bit. Um, and I think that might be the silver lining of this election overall. Oh, yeah. Is that it might finally just do just people will just no longer trust them at all. And I don't know. It kind of feels good, Chase. It kind of feels good. <laughs> More content. All right. So we got an email in asking if we were going to talk about Hillary's IT guy talking to Reddit. <laughs> this to Reddit. is a hell of a story. And I, I wondered if Fox would cover it because I love the Clinton email story. No other, like CNN ain't doing it, MSNBC ain't they're touching it. They're not going to touch it. Fox, however, they're talking about Let's it. Let's start out in Washington right now where he refuses to talk to Congress. But apparently the IT specialist who maintained Hillary Clinton's private email server has no problem asking the Internet how to wipe it down. On advice of counsel, I respectfully decline to answer and assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. Well, Internet sleuth now saying that this Reddit post from the user Stone Tier could actually be from that man, Paul Cabetta. You know what's great about this? Uh. Is uh, since this report, like they've linked his Reddit username to his Etsy page, right. which also has his name and his email yeah. address on it. It's on his blog. Um, and people, once this started to break, people figured he'd go in and try to... And they were recording him, deleting everything. They screen-capped yeah. him going through and purging his Reddit history in real time. So we have videos of him trying to clear out his Reddit history, too. <laughs> oh my God. It says, I need to strip out a VIP's, very VIP, email address from a bunch of archived email. Basically, they don't want the VIP's email address exposed to anyone. Well, that message has now been deleted. That post date suspiciously matches dates when Clinton was using... Using that private email server. Actually, it, the date is extremely important because this guy goes to Reddit after Congress issued a request for discovery, which is uh, in that request it says, "Don't touch the system. Right. We want to look at it." That 
guy did that after that was issued, which means he had intention to manipulate the data after Congress had had, had, had already issued a discovery order. So yep. That, I think, fundamentally underscores an intent to deceive and whatever they call it. I can't remember what commies, uh, but an intent to uh, violate the law. That seems yep. pretty clear. Uh, yes, it does. And the dude was on Reddit like any other dude <laughs> asking the question. Well, which shows you a lot, actually. There's been one story, though, out of the Clinton group this week. And I maybe it's maybe it's to, to change the conversation from pneumonia and Parkinson's. I, I can't really figure it, but I, I, I have been I have been shocked. This is remember I was just saying that this election is really giving you prime examples of how the media is in the yep. bag for Hillary. Yeah, yeah. The fact that this next story has gotten any traction at all is a concrete 100% locked no doubt about it golden example of how the media is in the bag for Hillary. The Trump campaign's declaration brought a sharp reply from Hillary Clinton. She tweeted last night that Oh, what is she about to talk about? Oh, she's going to talk about the whole thing, whether or not Obama's a citizen you or got not. It. This President Obama's successor cannot and will not be the man who led the racist birther movement, period. Cannot and will not be the man who led the bir- racist birther movement. Now, I don't actually know what makes it racist uh, because when, 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 when Trump said that Cruz was from Canada and not a U.S. citizen, was that racist against Canadians? <laughs> Is that but wait, now? Wait, so this is Canadians racist. Are, is Canadian a race? Exactly. Like what? <laughs> right. So why is it racist now? All of a sudden. Yeah. I, so that that almost feels yeah, weird. But yeah. I I I'm sure what they're about to tell you is that the birther movement originated with the Clinton campaign. I'm sure that'll be the next words out of their mouth, right? Clinton yeah. had already attacked Donald Trump repeatedly over the issue during her first days of campaigning after three days off because of pneumonia. Nancy Cordes is in Washington, where Hillary Clinton spoke out last night. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Clinton has called Trump bigoted before, but last night at a Hispanic Awards Gala here in Washington, she brought up what she called several new examples, like when he called a black pastor a nervous mess just yesterday and his refusal to say that the president was born here, despite what his campaign now says he believes. So this has been Hillary was on Fallon last night and she really laid into Trump for this birther thing. Oh, really? Yeah, really was disgusted with him. She and then she immediately from that started talking about racism and oppression against women. It was gross. Now, what I for those of you who do not remember 2008, Obama, the doubt about Obama's birth certificate originated. Now, the official story. The official story is it originated by a Clinton campaign volunteer out of Iowa. Oh, gosh, I I vaguely remember this. And then after they found out about it, they fired that Clinton campaign person. In fact, it was even brought up in the uh, Democratic debates, February 26, 2008 in Cleveland, Ohio. I take you back. Is an MSNBC special presentation. Oh man, this is the whole clip. The camp. I don't remember exactly. I'll jump. I think it might be a little bit, in, but I do have. I guess you guys could also check it out in the supporter sync if you want. There are a few people we would like to thank. So it's got Bryway in here. Bryway still uh, on MSNBC back then. Here we go. Out on the this website, is it. The Drudge Report. Uh, so there was a photo that the Clinton campaign released of Obama in an outfit. And so they start off the debate because it happened right before the debates. 
intentionally timed. Uh, showing Senator Obama in the native garb of a nation he was visiting. Uh, there's the picture. As you have done in a host country on a trip overseas. Actually, there's pictures of Hillary in the same outfit. It's kind of right, great. Yeah. It's, so it's great that the Clinton campaign did this because, again, the irony of it is that there's pictures of her. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Uh, Matt Drudge on his website said it came from a source inside the Clinton campaign. Can you say unequivocally here tonight it did not? Well, so far as I know, it did not. And- Which is a total lie. But then, as keep, far as I know, and keep listening. I certainly know nothing about it. I know nothing about it, which again is a lie. And have made clear that uh, that's not the kind of uh, behavior that uh, I condone or expect from the people working in my campaign. Uh, but we have no evidence uh, where it came from. So I think that uh, uh, it's clear what I would do if it were someone in my campaign, as I have in the past, uh, asking people to leave my campaign if they do things that uh, I disagree with. And that's exactly, there was a sacrifice in the Clinton campaign, and this, this supposed volunteer was let go. Now, what we do know in hindsight is that it actually came from very high up in the Clinton campaign. Uh. In fact, I have it linked in the show notes. There is, uh, well, you know what? I I have a clip that talks about it. I'll play this clip. So this is the rebel media. Imagine a person in the Oval Office who traffics in conspiracy theories. Hillary Clinton and the birth of birtherism. I'm Brian Lilly with the rebel.media. Hillary Clinton wants us to imagine what it's like to have someone in the White House that... Well, believes in conspiracy theories, it traffics in them. She must be able to imagine that better than most, given the fingerprints of her campaign are all over birtherism going back to 2008. And this was raised again after she attacked Donald Trump when he said, no, President Obama was born in America. She turned around and blasted him for ever trafficking in this. And yet we know from the historic record that it was Clinton, her campaign, her surrogates that were originally pushing this issue back in 2008 when she was still battling Barack Obama to become the Democratic presidential nominee. She fired a an Iowa campaign worker who was spreading the idea that not only was Muslim was Obama a Muslim, but also born in Kenya, only after the media found out. The Obama campaign had been complaining about these emails circulating, but when the media reported on it, then the worker was fired. This issue has also been reported on by other media outlets for a long time now, and that resurfaced again when James Asher, who used to be a bureau chief at McClatchy in Washington, tweeted this out. Check it out. This is just from the other day. Asher says, CNN says Hillary team in 2008 never raised birther issue. Sid Blumenthal, longtime HRC buddy. And I've said, keep an eye out for Sid Blumenthal's name. I've said it in past episodes. And here he is. Told me in person, Obama born in Kenya. Now, Sid Blumenthal, to to help you understand how connected he is to Hillary Clinton, I think you have to fully understand the context of how influential he is with Hillary. He is a special advisor, quote unquote, to Hillary Clinton. He he is the guy. You know, one of my favorite Hillary Clinton clips, Chase? <laughs> yes. We came, we saw he died this so, I mean, that is the land of... Oh, come on, come on. Where it is? Yes. Where came, where, there we go. We saw... Yeah, there it is. He died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, you know the, the moment just before she says that, she's reading an email. Well, now that her emails have been released, we know the person who sent her an email telling her about Gaddafi being killed wasn't someone from the State Department. It wasn't someone from the CIA. It wasn't someone from the White House. It wasn't someone from the Pentagon. It wasn't Uma. It was Sid. Wow. Blumenthal is the one that sent Hillary an email saying we've, he's been killed. 
That's how connected he is, amazing. and that's how connected to Hillary he is. Yeah. So I think w- when when you see that reporters are saying, "Look, it was Sid Blumenthal that came to me and pitched the story to me," uh, there's no way Hillary didn't know about it. So there, it, Hillary Clinton's campaign didn't necessarily originate the birther movement. They absolutely were responsible for propagating it. They were responsible for getting to the Drudge Report and any hay. That Donald Trump has made over the whole birtherism thing is only thanks to the hard work that Sid Blumenthal, directly connected to Hillary Clinton, did, and that person who took the fall in Iowa. Wow, it's, amazing! It's it's a and it show. Here's the great part: we have links in the show notes to the media covering this stuff in 2008. They know. They know because they're the ones that reported on it. They know that it came from the Clinton campaign and they still don't say anything. It, it proves they are in the bag for the Clinton campaign because they themselves wrote about these stories in 2008. When the election turned bitter, this happened. It's well known. Yeah. It's established well history. Yep. And yet they let her campaign beat this drum now for a week solid. They're in the bag for. That's all. That's all. All right, let's move forward. I thought this one was kind of interesting. Um, Hillary Clinton and uh, and um, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> you remember them? Yeah, those guys. They're going to be in the debates. Oh, uh, yeah. But your buddy. My good friend. Jerry, Gon- Jerry Johnson. Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson. Geez, and Jill Stein. Yeah. Not so much, Chase. On Friday, a disappointing announcement for 2016's third-party candidates. The Commission on Presidential Debates said it would not be inviting either Libertarian Gary Johnson or the Green Party's Jill Stein to participate in next week's debate, since neither candidate hit the required 15% average polling threshold. Let's bring in the Libertarian presidential candidate and former New Mexico governor, Gary Johnson. Thank- of course, Gary's not happy about this news. By the way, you know where Gary is? Seattle. This? I'm going to get there. Don't jump ahead. I'm no, 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 I know, but do you know... Physically, where he oh, is. Oh, is he at the Como studio? He is in the Como studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for talking with us. Chanel, thank you for having me on. Well, let's start with the positive. So you won't be part of the first debate, but this week you did make it onto the ballot in all 50 states. In Washington, D.C., which I should mention, no third-party candidate has done since 1996. So how are you feeling about that? He feels good about that. And then he goes on to mention that the uh, the the, uh, the percentage in the polls was a rule that's set by the RNC and DNC and yeah, uh, it's it, not it, a legal it, requirement. Right, yeah. The, they set the rule. And, uh, the, yeah, the, the thing is also... What they're saying is, well, he's pulling at the same numbers, uh, like eight or nine percent. But those numbers are actually better than what Ross Perot pulled at when he was included in the debates. I really have been getting a sense. So from Colin Powell, Republican, lifelong Republican, yeah. in his emails that were leaked, said, yeah, I'm going to obviously I, without it wasn't even like a weird thing. He says, yeah, of course, I'm voting for Hillary. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, when asked uh, if Donald Trump was going to win, she says, oh, there's no chance. And she starts to oh, she starts to imply that everyone in power is voting for Hillary. Hillary's going to happen. And then she backs off from the statement. Wow. Uh, and then today, a report came out that your longtime friend, my best friend, George W. George H. W. Bush, That's Grandpa right, Bush, Papa Bush, yeah. uh, he's voting for Hillary. There was a new report claiming former President George H.W. Bush will be casting his ballot for Hillary Clinton. Now, the party is in full damage mode because they don't want they don't want the public to know that this is actually going to be an elites versus the people. And here's how it breaks down. If you're rich and well off and things are going okay for you, 
Hillary is the safe bet. Yeah. So the establishment wants Hillary. Hillary is going to keep things the way they are. She's, if anything, it's going to be just more of the same, if not better for you. Hillary is the safe bet. That's why Bush and Colin and all of these other elites are voting for Hillary. And people who have something, or actually I should say people who have nothing to lose or are desperate for change or fundamentally believe that Washington is awful, which is not the elites, are going to be voting for Trump. This is actually an election of the people versus the elites. They don't want you to know that. And now that it came out that even Pappy Bush is voting for Clinton, they're in full damage mode. Oh, yeah. Now, the daughter of the late Robert F. Kennedy, former Maryland Lieutenant Governor Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, uh, she's making that claim. But is that the whole story? Senior political correspondent Mike Emanuel is live in Chappaqua, New York with the Clinton team. What is President Bush's spokesman saying about that, Mike? Go to the spokeshole. Well, Bill, he's saying take it easy. Everybody take a deep breath. What started all the buzz was the former Maryland Lieutenant Governor Kathleen Kennedy Townsend posting a photo of her visit with former President George Herbert Walker Bush. She wrote, the president told me he's voting for Hillary. Bush spokesman Jim McGrath tweeted overnight, those reporting how George H.W. Bush will vote this year, it's not clear anyone was there to verify KKT. Simmer down. Let's not talk about this anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And of course, the Bushes are going to stay silent. But I think truly you're starting to see there's bubbling from all of the people in, in the know yeah. that are saying uh, everybody in power is voting Hillary. That's Trump's real obstacle. That's the real obstacle for Trump. And uh, one of, I think, the best campaigners of our time is President Obama. Oh, yeah. And he, um, this first clip, he hits Trump pretty hard. The second clip, I think he way overshoots and it's, it comes off, honestly, as, as demeaning. So here, I'll play the first part. You may have heard Hillary's opponent in this election say that. As he touches his nose. He's at, by the way, he's at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation uh, obviously a, a, a very specific kind of crowd at this type of event. There's never been a worse time to be a, a black person. I mean, he missed that whole civics lesson about slavery and Jim Crow. And... But we got a museum for him to visit. So he can tune in. <laughs> That's some pretty aggressive man. That's the standing president of the United States campaigning against Donald Trump. We will educate him. Wow. He says we got nothing left to lose. So we might as well support somebody who has fought against civil rights and fought against equality. Those are some pretty big claims. So I thought, wow, okay. So he's hitting Trump pretty hard. Then uh, he actually – he seems to be really pa- – Obama doesn't get really passionate anymore too often. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, he seems – in this next clip, he seems legitimately fired up. And I think it's because it comes down to protecting his own legacy. So that they could pull that lever. So if I hear anybody – Saying oh. their vote does not matter. Oh. That it doesn't matter who we elect. Oh, Chase says that. Whoa. He's talking to you. Read up on your history. It Re- matters. Oh. Oh, I know We've it matters. We've got to get people to vote. So remember, he's, he is at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, and he's taking this tone. He's talking to a specific crowd here. 
In fact, if you want to give Michelle and me a good send-off, and that was a beautiful video, but don't just watch us walk off into the sunset now. What? Get people registered to vote. Oh. If you care about our legacy. What? Realize everything we stand for is at stake. What? All the progress we've made is at stake in this election. He really My gets name going may here. not be on the ballot, but our progress is on the ballot. My name is not on the This sounds like it's about him. Right. It, 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 Hillary. Well, is this more of a, a Democratic platform more than anything else, though? The progress that we've made? Sure it is. Yeah, absolutely. But the, but the, the card he is playing is I'm king black person, and because you're black people and you want my black president legacy to be successful, you better get people to vote for Hillary or else my black Oof. legacy is going to be destroyed. That's his tone, and he's speaking in this preacher, fatherly tone to them like they owe him this. Four is at stake. All the progress we've made is at stake in this election. My name may not be on the ballot, but our progress is on the ballot. Tolerance is on the ballot. Democracy is on the ballot. What? Justice is on the ballot. Good schools are on the ballot. He's talking about the other races, by the way, Chris. No. You know, the down ballot Ending stuff. mass incarceration, that's on the ballot right now. That's obviously a big issue. And there is one candidate who will advance those those things. Those those things. And there's those another things. Yeah, there's those those things. And then there's that other candidate. And I like how he starts out generic. Like there's one candidate that'll advance those things, and then another one. Like he's not being specific, and then right. it becomes immediately obvious who he's talking about. Those things. And there is another candidate whose defining principle, the central theme of his candidacy, is opposition. To all that we've done. That's right. He's really in full preacher mode now. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like this is in some way, it, it's sort of like it's trying to play to a crowd. But when you do that, it's sort of obvious that you're pandering. So he's in full preacher mode right now. And he really lays it on thick. And look, his, look at his face. Look at his facial expressions. Look how serious he is. All that we've done. There's no such thing as a vote that doesn't matter. It all matters. And after we have achieved historic turnout in 2008 and 2012, especially in the African-American community, I will consider it a personal insult, an insult to my legacy. What? If this community lets down its guard and fails to activate itself in this election. So if you don't vote for Hillary and you're black, it's a personal insult to Obama and his legacy. Wow. That is, ex I, I, I find that to be really insulting. That is really insulting. We have achieved historic turnout in 2008 and 2012, especially in the African-American community. I will consider it a personal insult, an insult to my legacy. If this community lets down its guard and fails to activate itself in this election, would, you want to give love, me a good send-off? I would love to hear from members in our, our African-American members of our audience. Does that offend you from what the president's saying? You know, I do have clips of people on uh, people responding to it. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah, but uh, anyways, I'll... you want to give me a good send up? Go vote. And I'm going to be working as hard as I can these next seven weeks to make sure folks do. That's intense to me. That uh, there's something about that that seems really extreme. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways, I do have I do have people res I do have people uh, responding in the uh, supporters think if you guys are interested in watching that's what I think Trump is up against. 
That's a huge. I mean, going up. That's that's a bad. Well, you have a well, well oiled machine on both Hillary and Obama's side. You have the media, uh, and I'm not saying this to you know poo poo Trump or anything. Trump's got a lot of free media and a lot of attention as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't remember a standing president doing this. The, I guess I don't the, have the, a, the the problem with saying the, that comment and like saying like I don't remember things being so polarized and actually I, I wrote a I'm a not pe- saying that I no, just no, no no but I wrote a piece about it like I don't remember things being so like this uh, and you know uh, one of my good friends on, on Facebook was telling me you know to, you know when when Reagan was was going through office you know there was these kind of weird you know targeted attacks then too we just don't think about it because the you know, attacks we, I'm not surprised by but. To have a, a, a an official that holds political office, I guess it's not unheard of, but it just seems to me like it's there's better things for the president of the United States to be spending his last months in office doing. It seems like a big waste. But honestly, that's what most politicians do. I mean that that that's that's par for the course, man. I, I actually I seem to remember a lot of presidents spend their last months in office doing crazy ass things like like. Um, uh, letting uh, their their brother in law uh, out of jail and and like doing all of these like last minute hard things that presidents don't do because they don't want to risk their their career they do in the la- in the final months of their president's presidency right. yeah. that's what I remember or I remember them battling out with Congress being called a lame dunk duck and not being able to get any- I, that's what I remember I don't remember like I don't remember Bush hitting the road and and campaigning for the hell out of it for Romney that doesn't that doesn't that does not. Yeah. Strike a bell for me at all? I don't. I don't remember much. It that, feels that, like that it back, feels though. like when Bush, the last, final months in office, Bush still tried to get. Some, it was crazy ass shit, but he still tried to get some shit done. Yeah, feels like Obama is flying around on Air Force One campaigning for Hillary. Yeah, that's my perception of it, at least. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we've had well, Gary Johnson just interviewed there talked yeah. about uh, uh, the uh, the fact that he's not going to be in the debates. Well, he at was, least the first debate. They make a determination oh, for okay. every debate. Okay, all right, that's fair enough. And the next debate's Monday, the first one. The first one's Monday. Yeah, uh, I don't know what. Do you know what time? Uh, I don't know. I'll be watching it, and we'll probably oh, have yeah. a few clips. Yeah, I'll be watching too. So the uh, that's so Gary got got a little news for that, but he also got a little news for uh, stopping by Washington. Oh, yeah, he yeah. had a few high notes. Libertarian Party presidential candidate Gary Johnson spoke to supporters in Seattle today. This rally at the downtown Sheraton in Seattle is here his first time here. Gary Johnson spoke in support of Black Lives Matter and against American hey, involvement in regime Bill change. Welt, uh, wearing a Seahawks jersey and there's uh, Drew Carey there. Yeah, it does nice. appear to be so. Nice. Abroad. But the first thing he talked about was what he calls drug incarceration. There are tens of millions of Americans who are convicted felons that but for our drug laws would otherwise be tax-paying, law-abiding citizens. Let's bring an end to the war on drugs. You know, he just keeps that up a little bit. Maybe he will be in that second debate. Well, I, I'll, I will say this. I, I know he, he's getting more and more independent newspapers, politicians, yep, yep. and more people coming to his cause. And I think he's also, I think he's making inroads in different communities that Hillary is starting to lose ground in. I think part of the reason she brought up birtherism recently is to try to to do this whole veil of racism. I think it's to protect losing numbers. I really do. And I think Gary Johnson's picking some of them up, Chase. Well, and not only that, you have both the Republicans and the Democrats are are starting to get a little bit more scared about Gary. And oddly enough, the commission said on Friday, which is a news dump Friday, I hate announcements on Fridays, uh, that he wasn't going to make it in. But we'll see if he makes it in for the next one. Yeah, and then, you know, they tried to take him out with the Aleppo hit, 
But uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll also right. be watching, of course, all of the other news, not just the debates. We should have a full show back at our regular Wednesday recording time. All goes to plan. Just check jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar and then join us over at jblive.tv. Yes. It'll be converted to your local time at the calendar page, which is pretty nice. You can also just add yes. it to your calendar if you'd like. Oh, that's easy. Pro level. <laughs> I then level. You get to hang out in the uh, chat room and uh, consternate with us as we go through all of this. You can oh. also submit stories and clips also unfiltered.reddit.com. We have a subreddit just for the show. And then last but not least, you can send us in your feedback, patron or not, over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. That's right. And then, of course, if you want to get in the sack on the show, get that 33 club, club level. 33, Ow! Man. Thank yes. you, everybody, who supports over at patreon.com. We do. We love club. you guys. Mr. Thank Chase, so where do people yeah. find you online? At N-U-N-E-S. What? And where can people find you? At Chris L-I-S, buddy. Perfect, buddy. Check it out. And also follow him over at geekgamer.tv. We'll see you right back here next, next week. You smell that? Why, yes, I believe it's the internationally recognized overtime segment for episode 205 of the Unfiltered program, brought to you by our patrons, as you know, at patreon.com slash unfiltered. I've already told you that. Special thank you. Uh, wow, look at these. Look at this list. Caruz, thank you. I think uh, Caruz is how you say it. It's got a Z in it. I love it. Brendan, thank you. Zach, thank you. Hanjana? Hanjana. I, Hanj- I don't know if I'm getting that one right. I don't think so, but it's got a J in it. I like that. I like that. And I like that you're a supporter. Also, a shout out to Nicholas, Bill, and Vladimir. No last name on that one. Just Vladimir. I'll let you fill in the details on that one. Also, Martin, James, Julia, David, Alexander, C, Jonathan, and... Islamis, I think. I'm, I'm sorry, man. But thank you, you guys, for supporting our show. While I may butcher your names from time to time, that in no way, no way is a representation of how thankful I am. We got a great showing after last, last week's episode, and uh, it really means a lot to us because we worked super hard on it. Hopefully we haven't disappointed you this week with whatever the hell that was. But in the meantime, I've got overtime for you. This is just for our supporters for everybody at patreon.com slash unfilter. And you guys, if you're not a supporter yet, I'll let you listen in, but just this time. Just, just, just this time. Let's start with uh, something that is, it's a little odd. It, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that I wouldn't totally unexpect there to be surveillance over California, but a U2 spy plane crashing over California? That's, that's legitimately, uh, that's a little weird. A quick Fox News alert. We're learning uh, some breaking news out of California that there is a U-2 from uh, the, the Beale Air Force Base that has gone down in Sutter, California. And two pilots apparently have ejected, and that's all we're hearing right now. We heard that it is a, a surveillance plane of sorts, huh. a spy plane, if you will, and that if you will. two pilots have ejected. So that's what we know. We'll get you more information as it comes into the newsroom. Now, the U-2 plane is so old that the only stock photography Fox has is black and white. 
That's how old that plane is. Isn't that that's that's a little strange? Now speaking of spy planes, there was some news out of Iran that maybe you didn't hear about. Welcome back. It's now quarter past the hour, and right now it is first on Fox. New warnings coming from Iran, with the rogue nation threatening to shoot down U.S. Navy spy planes in the Persian Gulf. So the rogue nation. I like like that whenever you're doing something that the U.S. doesn't want you to do, you're a rogue nation, you run by a dictator, you have a regime. When you don't do what we tell you, you're a rogue. And then when you do what we tell you, then you're one of our allies. This happened over the weekend, and now defense officials are telling Fox News that involved these U.S. Navy surveillance aircraft, the P-8 Poseidon, you can see that one on the left, and the EP-3 Ares on the right. They were flying a reconnaissance mission in the Strait of Hormuz and also in the Gulf of Oman and were 13 miles off the coast of Iran, which is considered to be international waters. The threat to shoot down our planes, just the latest confrontation in that area with Iran's Navy harassing U.S. Navy warships in the Persian Gulf several times last month. Joining us now, Mark Duberwitz. He's executive director for the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Great to have you here with us. Wow. The defense of democracy. You know, normally... Normally, I'd, I'd blast right past something like that, but I almost just want to give this D-bag a chance and see what he has to say, because it's going to get me riled up. So tell me, why is Iran just continuing to badger the United States, and what are they getting out of it? Uh, uh, Heather, they're continuing to badger the United States because the Obama administration is not responding to these provocations. And in fact, since the nuclear deal, the administration has green-lighted tens of billions of dollars of cash to the regime to give them the money they need in order to increase their malign activities in the region. So provocations, no response, the Iranian... No, 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 Hey. So I don't disagree with this line of thinking, but I've been wondering about this a lot. You've, you, if you watch, I, I know maybe you do or don't, but the State Department has daily briefings. And one of the questions that's come up and they have not had a good answer for, specifically Kirby, who you just heard... Uh, 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 the, uh. He cannot answer the question, can you guarantee that the money you paid for the prisoner swap from, uh, from Iran, can you guarantee that that money isn't going to funding terrorism? Well, so the, 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 the association is if you give a nation cash, they could be using it for terrorism. So we go from if you give them cash, they could use it however they want, right? They could, they could invest in corn seed. We don't know what they're investing in, right? They could be investing in poppy seeds. Who knows? Maybe they want to open up a Dunkin' Donuts over there. Who knows where that money's going? But that conversation just immediately goes to, well, they're using it for terrorism. And so, therefore, the Obama administration is supporting terrorism. Has green-lighted tens of billions of dollars of cash to the regime to give them the money they need in order to increase their malign activities in the region. So provocations, no response. The Iranians have a dynamic that they like. Well, the U.S. Uh, ships last week, when they came very, very close and forcing us to take some evasive measures, you know, there were some shots fired. And then this time with the planes, they said, hey, get your planes out of our area, even though we were in international waters, or we'll shoot. And we stayed on course. So our reaction is a little bit different now. Is that changing the equation? Well, you know, Heather, again, the Iranians have again. taken U.S. Navy sailors at gunpoint. They- Why does he say again? It comes across as demeaning. I'm, I'm done with this guy. He's got, see, I told you to get me fired up. Now I'm fired up. I don't, I, I don't want to pick this guy apart, though. I don't want to pick this apart. Usually at the beginning of the overtime segment, well, not usually, I shouldn't say that, but recently, for a couple of weeks, 
I've been playing bitter clips from RT. They're just totally sore about the way the media is just sagging the Russians. They're just, or slagging the Russians. They're just slagging the Russians, as they say, about the email hacks, about the DNC hack, about being in bed with Trump. They're just, and RT's constantly defending themselves. This week, though, it's not RT that's noticed, but it's your friends over at Fox News. First, we have CBS saying, editing out Bill Clinton's frequently has issues, talking about his wife, to rarely. Now, look at this. They actually picked up on that Bill Clinton edit that we talked about last week. Now, this week, as we've talked about, the big controversy is that Hillary Clinton's called it a bombing and then 30 or 43 seconds later said that Donald Trump was ridiculous for calling it a bombing. So that's the controversy now. So what they're discussing is. Look at the media in the bag for Hillary here. First of all, they're editing Clinton's responses. They're downplaying when he says the flu. They're not going after Hillary when she calls it a bombing. The fact that she looks like a zombie. And now we have this. I mean, Brent, at some point, you just really... These are news organizations. You're supposed to take them at face value, but it's difficult <laughs> when they do this kind of stuff. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He said that with a straight face. Let's do it again. These are these are news organizations, so you're supposed to take it at face value. It's difficult when they do this kind of stuff. Hold on. That wasn't far back enough because it's so rich. We've got to hear it again. I almost need I need like a soundboard clip. These are news organizations. These are news organizations. You're supposed to take them at face value, but oh, it's adorable. difficult when they do this kind of stuff. They're 100 percent in the tank. For Hillary Clinton. Uh, look how they attacked Donald Trump on the birther thing. Uh, it was the New York Times that brought up John McCain in 2008 and his birther situation. It was the media who brought up Ted Cruz. It was Sidney Blumenthal from the Hillary's Clinton that brought up Barack Obama. And yet they hit Ted Cruz. Uh, they hit Donald Trump on it relentlessly. Look, every reporter was there on that airplane. Every reporter, every network heard her, call it a bombing, and then one minute later take this gratuitous slap at Donald Trump, and yet no one reported it. All right. Now, Brent, listen to this question. This is a reporter asking I got you Hillary now. during her Q&A this morning in White Plains. Are you concerned that this weekend's attacks or potential incidents in the coming weeks uh, might be an attempt by ISIS or ISIS sympathizers or really any other group, maybe the Russians, um, Russians, to influence the presidential race? In Russians? What? Now, now, is that? Come on now. Come on now. The Russians? Let's play it back. So she goes from the bombing to the Russians. Coming weeks. Uh, might be an attempt by ISIS or ISIS sympathizers. That's that's stupid enough, right? That's so st it's so stupid. I can't believe that this person makes a living as a reporter. That's such a stupid question. Just to, do you think ISIS wants to influence the election? Of course, ISIS would want to influence the election, and it doesn't matter. It it does not matter. And then this, but then to, to throw in the Russians at a left field, or really any other group, maybe the Russians, um, to influence a presidential race in some way. Uh, and presumably try to drive uh, votes to Donald Trump. Did Hillary write that question? How can you bring the Russians into this? I mean, that's a stretch of best, and it plays right into Hillary's, you know, uh, narrative that uh, Donald Trump is a puppet of Putin. Right. So uh, I guess these terrorists have got these, you know, make America great again hats <laughs> that they're wearing while they do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's good. It's just, it goes beyond the pale. Yes, thank you, thank you. To suggest that this is a, you know, a Trump rally going on, except they blow up people now. Yeah, no, oh. all right. We oh, man, you know what? Mustaches, you guys. Freaking mustaches, right? I mean, this guy, I mean, I'm not like, a fa I don't know, I don't know, I don't know this guy that well, but 
He's he's playing my notes. We haven't, we haven't finished yet because there's so much material. Uh, President Obama talking and about... It's, and it's only Monday morning. I- <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it's Tuesday now. It's Tuesday. We're recording early. Sorry to throw you off about that, but yeah, it, it is early. All right, we have some serious news to cover. We have things to talk about. You heard about Monsanto getting purchased, right? German agriculture and chemicals giant Bayer has confirmed a multi-billion dollar takeover deal with the American GM foods company Monsanto. That's right. Bayer. <laughs> I, you know, I think we all have this perception of Monsanto as uh, the Walmart of chemical companies. And how could, you know, they've, they've, they've bought a mercenary company and they own a mercenary company. How can they be bought out by an aspirin company? Well, friends, I invite you to learn more about Bayer. Monsanto is known for its genetically modified crops, which have caused quite a backlash in Europe. Of course, live to RT correspondent Peter Oliver for more. Good to see you, Peter. Uh, what details can you bring us then about this uh, potentially Hi. historic deal? Well, it's a lot of money. 66 billion, Neil. I'm surprised you weren't in it with the amount of cash you have. What? Um, but yes, 66 billion dollars. That's... That's what it's going to cost. Are these two poking at each other? Did that just happen? These two just rib each other? I... That doesn't happen enough anymore. Peter, uh, what details can you bring us then about this Hello, uh, potentially his? <laughs> Hello, hi. <laughs> I love the satellite delay. Hello, hi, hi there. Hello. Hello, hi. Yes. Yes, we're on delay and I'm trying to be very casual. For more... Good to see you, Peter. Uh, what details can you bring us then about this Hello, uh, potentially hi. historic deal? Well, it's a lot of money. 66 billion, Neil. I'm surprised you weren't in it with the amount of cash you have. Um, but yes, 66 billion dollars. That's what it's going to cost German chemicals giant Bayer to buy out the genetically modified foods uh, maker, genetically modified seeds maker, uh, Monsanto. It's the largest uh, takeover in German history. It's the, certainly the largest in the world this year. The German chemical giant, well, they make everything from aspirins to weed killer. You open up your cupboards and your kitchen, your bathroom, even look in the shed. I'd be surprised if you don't find one product they make. Monsanto, well, they're the genetic food modifying giants around the globe. Well, protests, though, have raged across Europe about Monsanto. People here don't want the GM products that they make. They called them Frankenfoods in some circles, and we've seen huge demonstrations. Um, but they are the seeds that they sell popular in the United States and widely used, widely used there. Bias say the merger is all about trying to tackle a global food problem, a population, a global population that's set to grow by one third by 2050. However, those critics who have criticised it financially say it's a little bit more cynical than that. The market has shrank a little bit that buyers involved in and they're wanting to make sure that they have the largest share. All of their rivals are starting to team up. Well, what this would create is the largest producer in the world of uh, seeds what and pesticides and other sprays. It would give it would give buyer 25 <clears> percent <throat> global share. Now, think about when you when you think of the Trans-Pacific Partnership and, and the way that was arranged, the way that companies like Monsanto were specifically benefited by those agreements. What does that mean? That, mean, that means that U.S. politicians, government officials worked on behalf of that company to alter a trade agreement to be agreeable to the Monsanto Corporation. They had that much power and that much leverage before. And now, <laughs> 
And now it's 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 unbelievably large. The influence is unbelievably larger on a worldwide scale. Not sure to draw the attention of the regulators who will have a look at this before that $66 billion deal goes through. Woo. But the real criticism has come from the environmentalists. We've seen- In other words, start lining the pockets, start lining the pockets of politicians to grease this one through. But of course, there are, there are these protests. Seen it online already. People outraged that a European company, particularly a German company, could be getting involved in what they call Frankenfoods has caused a lot of people to be very upset. There's a large anti-GMO demonstration taking place here in Berlin on Saturday. I expect it's going to be even more raucous following this news. How about that? There you go. Monsanto, Monsanto. You may have bought yourself a mercenary company. You may be bringing us the plastic of the future. But now you're owned by an aspirin company that's known for a lot more. As we wrap up, um, I'm going to continue my uh, armchair diagnosis of famous people, and I'm going to I'm going to suggest to you. And I know this doesn't probably even shock you, but Glenn Beck is losing it. I think Glenn Beck is totally gone nuts. And I'm going to play this next clip for you as evidence to the court. Why does it matter? You might ask, because I think that's whenever whenever you're talking about someone's health their mental state, I think it's worth asking, is it really worth discussing? I think that's a fair question that you could pose to me. And I would answer that because Glenn Beck does have a large influence, he does seem to sway the opinion of a large following of people. He fits into that category of what I call media influencers. And I follow media influencers very closely because you just look at the state of the 2016 election. And, and think about how critical the media's role has been in propping up these two shit candidates. Both of which, who have massive flaws. So I watch these people in the media who have influence over a large group of people with a very critical eye. And I, I think it is our responsibility to be very vigilant about the media we consume, about their motivations, and, and perhaps when they've gone sideways. I'm going to play this next clip for you, and I would like you to just take it in for judgment. I'll be honest, if you're watching the video version of Unfilter, it's, it's, you'll get a lot more out of it. However, I think just by listening to this next clip, you could draw your own conclusions. I submit this evidence. You're going to have to be the leader. It's a huge responsibility. But it's good. It's good. If you believe... How many people believe in the internal life? Okay. Do you know how many people have lived and just survived in history? How many people have lived and have not been given the big opportunity to step up and really be a person that returns home with honor? How many people just went along in their life and they didn't have anything big or catastrophic really happening, so they had a chance to be an honorable person and live a decent life? You have, they will build statues of people from these days someday. Whoa. They may be of our children. Of you? 
Historians will read about us. You? Not everybody has that opportunity. That's a glorious opportunity given to us. All right, I'll leave it to you. Uh, I think it's a little more powerful if you watch the video version. Maybe there'll be an unfiltered statue. Big piece of bacon. <laughs> and, it'll, and it'll read at the bottom of it, they got damn close to it. They nearly nailed it. That'll be the... <laughs> they got really close. Actually, I can tell you 100% sincerely, without making any disclosures that I shouldn't, I get a lot of emails from service members who say, not only are you dead on, but it's worse than you say on the show. So if anything, I think our plaque would say, it was worse than they said it was on the show. That would be what our plaque would say. <laughs> so let's just wrap it up the overtime with a little Hillary coverage. You see, I, I pushed it off for you. I pushed it off. This one was kind of an interesting clip. Financial whistleblower Charles Ortel, who exposed GE before the crash, and columnist for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Jack Kelly. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I am going to start with you, Charles. Uh, The Clintons say that their foundation is a force for good. And in fact, Bill Clinton came out this week and actually said that he's kind of like Robin Hood, taking from the rich and giving to the poor. Is there any truth to that? I think it's just the opposite. I think it's Robin Hood in reverse. In fact, what he's doing is standing in front of money that's destined for poor and desperate people around the world and diverting it to his rich cronies and maybe to himself and his family. Yeah, that can't be that cannot be that cannot be more well stated. That is so true. And when you if you begin to just research the Clinton Foundation, I'll give you a few places to start if you'd like. Look at specifically uh, donor influences over Hillary Clinton while she was in the State Department and her meetings. But if you want to go if you want to go down a dark rabbit hole, look into the company that the Clinton Foundation used to produce the batch that they bought of AIDS medication. It's um, if you want to go into a dark hole uh, and see a dark side of humanity. That's that's an area to investigate the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation enabled the Clintons to live a lifestyle and have influence in areas that they normally wouldn't have had influence within one generation. It is it is the core to the corruption that is the Clintons. Uh, the fact is, with the Clinton Foundation, nobody really knows because they've never had an external valid audit of their financial statements. And they are a charity, right? They're, an, I mean, a nonprofit. They're a nonprofit without an audit. From 1997 to the present, no one really knows. Okay, now you did the uh, investigation that basically uh, identified the fraud that was going on in GE. And right now, you are making some statements that should have been uncovered by attorney ge- attorneys general across Across the United States. Yeah, this fraud, like many frauds, starts small in 1997. This was supposed to be a library and research facility only in Little Rock. This is a key point. The entire Clinton Foundation is built around the library in Little Rock. That's what they have been approved for as a nonprofit. Okay, do you understand what I am saying? 
that the the entire approval for the Clinton Foundation is all based on it's all based on what, what this library this library is what they actually are supposed to be that is that is corruption right there just at the beginning of the Clinton Foundation this fraud like many frauds starts small in 1997 this was supposed to be a library and research facility only in Little Rock and it never got legally compliant audits in the very beginning when they built the f- building out in Little Rock and it's just grown and grown and grown and it's such a huge embarrassment that the politicians I think in both parties don't want to get to the truth the library that he is speaking of is the presidential library the same library that they all get Bush has a library. It, that library is a nonprofit organization. It's there for the public. It's in Little Rock to celebrate Clinton. You probably have already heard about Obama get, is getting a library too. That also will be a, no, a nonprofit uh, organization. That that is what the entire House of Cards. And it's funny to use that term, right, with with the Netflix series. But that's the House of Cards in which the Netflix or <clears throat> Netflix show, the Clinton Foundation is built upon. It's mind-blowing. Start small in 1997. This was supposed to be a library and research facility only in Little Rock. And it never got legally compliant audits in the very beginning when they built the building out in Little Rock. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's such a huge embarrassment that the politicians, I think, in both parties don't want to get to the truth. All right, Jack Kelly, you have written about this in, in a historical context. I mean, how do you explain what Charles is saying? And do you agree with Charles? Well, what Charles and uh, primarily Charles and a handful of others uh, have done uh, is expose what's not merely the greatest political fraud in American history. It's greater than all the others combined. I completely agree. I have I I can't. So I have I have recently been struggling with the fact that I, I cannot I cannot conceive of a way to tell you, even on a weekly basis, about the amount of corruption that is involved here, because it would sound it would sound ludicrous if you didn't understand the entire backstory yourself. And so, what I have been doing for months now is I have been using weekly news events to demonstrate the corruption on a, on a on a on a factual, current news basis. And what he's talking about here is one of the number one issues I struggle with when covering the Clinton Foundation and covering Hillary Clinton. It's also one of the things I like about following them the most is it is an unbelievable amount of corruption that nobody else is covering, and there is so much to dig into. And this man completely echoes my thoughts on the topic. I felt very vindicated when I found this clip. Full disclosure. Merely the greatest political fraud in American history. It's greater than all the others combined. And it's uh, the whole point of the email scandal was to cover up the play for pay that's involved with the Clinton Foundation. You know, what's interesting, Jack, is this week uh, we find out that that blackberries were destroyed with hammers. And after federal subpoenas were served, you know, lawyers from the Clinton Foundation get on the phone with Platte River. And, you know, at that point, two, three weeks later, they yeah, use bleach yeah. bit and destroy the records. But but what percentage, Charles, of the foundation's money goes to charities? I mean, do we even know? 
You're just guessing. We're just guessing. The real, in these type of frauds, the real step is not even in the numbers that you see. It's money is sent towards the Clinton Foundation, and nobody really knows how much money is diverted before it hits the books. That's the real issue. They've never had independent trustees. They've never had independent auditors. My estimate is you're talking all, with all the affiliates about a hundred billion minimum. And in their books, they only show two billion coming in for the period. hundred billion? Now, this is a key point. So they, because it's all very murky, what, what researchers have done is they have read the press releases or they have read the tax reports and the financial statements of organizations and governments that have donated to the Clinton Foundation. And they have found the line item amount that they donated to the Clinton Foundation. And then they have compared that to the Clinton Foundation's tax report about how much money they received. And there is often huge gaps of amounts, huge gaps. So the Clinton Foundation is absolutely skimming right off the top. It hits the books. That's the real issue. They've never had independent trustees. They've never had independent auditors. My estimate is you're talking all, with all the affiliates about $100 billion minimum. And in their books, they only show $2 billion coming in for the hundred billion billion counting all affiliates counting the global fund counting the unitate counting haiti counting tsunami fund counting you know there are lots and lots yeah there you go and that clip that clip really does a good job because that man has done a lot of research and i have not had good audio to play for you until now the clinton foundation is going to be a massive anchor for Hillary when she gets elected, if she gets elected, which I still think she will, unless something more significant happens, develops. That's going to be that's going to be something that that haunts her for the entire time she's in the White House. And every time you start doing a little digging, I, I, I can't stress for you. I work very hard for this show, but it's not the only thing I do. And I have found these discrepancies. These guys have dug into it, and they have found these discrepancies. They are there for anyone that actually wants to find them. The moment it is advantageous for someone to have discovered this, it will be discovered, and it will become public. I don't know what will drive that, but it's only a matter of time. The entire Clinton Foundation is based on his presidential library. It's never had a proper audit. What they report to the IRS does not match what other people report they have contributed. What comes in is not what comes out. And I encourage you to look into the company behind the AIDS medication they have created. That's their biggest claim to fame. And if you want a real human tragedy story... Look into what the Clinton Foundation has done for Haiti. Really look into it beyond the Clinton Foundation press releases and the press that cover them. Look into what's happened at Haiti. This is going to be a massive anchor for Hillary. It's a time bomb. It'll who know I don't know I don't know how these things work. I can't explain it. But there is play, just like they don't play the clip of Hillary laughing at Gaddafi's death, which everybody has on hand. Anybody could play that anytime they want. Could be Trump could be throwing it in one of his commercials right now if he wanted to. Could be running on radio ads. Rush Limbaugh could play it all the time. I, a podcaster in Arlington, Washington, have this clip. So I mean, that is the land of 
unconfirmed right Yes, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Time bomb. All right, let's end it on a more pleasant note. Something you can take home. Share with the family when you go for a family moment. Something that makes you smarter at the water cooler, as they say. Perhaps. Maybe this will never end the debate. Maybe that's impossible. But I, I actually think this is somewhat useful information. It's money you can put in the bank, necessarily. Or maybe. A new report from AAA this morning says Americans waste billions of dollars at the pump. That is because we're spending far more than needed on higher grade gas. The report says drivers unnecessarily upgraded from regular to premium gasoline an estimated 272 million times in the past year. It cost drivers about an extra $2 billion. Chris Van Cleve is outside a gas station in Washington with what's behind the extra spending. Chris, good morning. Well, good morning. Now, premium gas costs on average about 23 percent more than regular. But for the vast majority of cars on the road, it's not going to get you better engine performance. It's not going to make your engine happier. In fact, experts say all it's really going to do is leave less money in your wallet. Gas remains nearly 10 cents cheaper than this time last year. But AAA says Americans are basically throwing money away by doing what Edna Bangan just did. It's just required and needed. But uh, I prefer to use plus to keep the engine good. Richard Ulrich prefers regular, but he too hears the siren song of higher grade gas. I think the octane level, yeah, I think so. Makes it run better. I think the engine probably run cleaner with a higher octane. I think it's easy to to believe that that something that says premium uh, sounds like a treat. Triple A's John Nielsen. But the truth is, if your car is designed to run on regular gasoline, using the premium fuel or 93 octane isn't going to make it run better, get better fuel economy, or have lower emissions. AAA looked at cars with V6, V8, and four-cylinder engines and found no benefit to using a higher level of gas than what was called for by the manufacturer. AAA estimates 16.5 million drivers misfueled their cars by upping the octane unnecessarily last year, costing them an extra $2.1 billion. Only about 16% of vehicles on the road require premium gas. They are typically high-performance or luxury cars. Another 10% run best on mid-grade, while 7 in 10 cars on the road only need regular. Consumers, if they stick with what the owner's manual recommends, they're going to be fine and save some money while they're at it. Now, if you're just devoted to your premium gasoline, it's not going to hurt your car. It's not going to hurt your performance. You're just not going to see a whole lot of benefit out of it for most drivers. Now, we talked to the American Petroleum Institute. They represent the gasoline industry. They agree most vehicles run just fine. There's a good tip for you. There's a good tip. Good yeah. story, right, Chase? Uh, stupid story. What? You see this story. It pops up about every three to six months. Top Gear's done it. They've done it again. CBS, NBC. You'll see it on all the news circles. You know. So let people, me ask you a question. People are just stupid. So putting uh, a, a premium gasoline in a vehicle that doesn't need it. Actually, depending on the vehicle, you're not. You're, yeah, you're you're making things. Yeah, worse. it makes zero. I've, I did a little experiment. It makes zero difference in my truck. No, like you know, some people go. Well, you know. It's kind of knocking a bit. It's kind of making a noise, Chris. So uh, I'm going to put premium in there and make it feel a little bit better. No, no. 
Yeah, I it agree. doesn't work like that. Now, uh, Angela's vehicle specifically, like on the dash, in the manual, and on the gas cap, says use premium only. Yes, if a if a machine was designed with premium in mind, if it's a high performance vehicle or luxury vehicle, say like a Ferrari or an Acura, things like that, then yeah, that makes sense. Actually, if you watch Pulp Fiction, I think you know he talks about putting premium in it. If you got to put premium in it, so yeah, no, I. I got to say that these stories always kind of bug me. But then at the same time, that's sad that there's a lot of people out there that have these misconceptions when it comes to fuel. Uh, like, oh, I won't go to that gas station because that's crap gas. Well, how about this gas for you? Gas is gas. Ah, so AAA also released a study that said that uh, the gas, the gases that do include some sort of detergents and things like actually that? does over time keep your uh, your fuel injectors and whatnot. By how much percent? Uh, measurable, actually, and I don't remember the numbers, but they actually walked away with the recommendation of buying gasolines that have a detergent in them. Now, okay. they didn't. They said the grades. They totally agreed on the grades. If your engine right. doesn't need anything beyond regular. But um, they, they essentially, they walked away with the advice is if the, if, the gas, if the gas station doesn't advertise a detergent of some type, probably should avoid that gasoline. But oh. if the gas station recommends it, if the, if the gas station has a detergent. Right. Then all gas is gas. Yeah, yeah. The, the detergent is across all the, all, all the fuel. Right. It's going to be – so really any gas is gas. You, so what I'm saying is right. any fuel will do. Right. There's really almost no variations. The only differences in different fuel types that you get are the detergents. Yes, that's right. And most detergents are good. Some are better than others. And if you actually give a shit, you should probably check out the, the their actual uh, study because they're – Obviously, going to have more information than I do. Yeah, I uh, Top Gear did this really cool thing, and Fifth Gear I think did it as well. A lot of British TV, but yeah, I, I don't like these news stories. I think it's just stupid. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you know, <sighs> you're busting my you're bursting I'm my sorry. bubble. Dude. I'm sorry, you know, I'm a little pessimistic on that one. Well, uh, I I could uh, I could end with uh, a clip that maybe I could I could try again. Can, can you bring me up a little I could, bit? I could try. I don't know. How about this? This might be interesting. The year was 1982, and when it came to personal computers, IBM was the only game in town. Until a small Houston startup founded by three friends came along and proceeded to beat Big Blue at its own game. The company was Compact Computers. This David and Goliath story is chronicled in a new documentary, Silicon Cowboys. It wowed audiences at this year's South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin and opened nationwide yesterday. From the film, here's the moment they came up with the design of their groundbreaking portable computer. We walked in, looked around. So it's a documentary called Silicon Cowboys. I just... All right. I, I'm yeah. okay. Are you, I actually, in, in my cube at work, I have a... A very, very old compact portable machine, and it's it's great. Yeah. We had to get funding. Mm-hmm. What eventually happened, Jason? Because Hewlett Packard acquired Compaq in 2002 for $25 billion. What happened to that name, the Compaq name that we'd all heard of? Well, I, I, eventually HP, um, you know, they did merge, and, and there's that's well documented uh, about that merger, and people have different opinions about it. But they eventually phased out uh, the Compact name, I think, in 2013. So it, did, it's, it stuck around for a while, and that was long after Rod had left, obviously. But... Um, it stuck around for a little while, but you know, when we, when we started making this film, we told people we were making a film about Compaq. Uh, you know, so many people said, "Oh, I remember Compaq. Yeah, my first computer was my first yeah. computer was a Compaq." Yeah. And they, they remember that 28-pound luggable that yeah. they had a sewing machine with the handle that they used to, uh, you know, schlep around in, in, in airports. So um, we knew that people would connect to this story. Right. I'm just curious if you were in that you know coffee shop again today, mapping something out. What would you be trying to create now? <laughs> 
You know, I can't tell you what exactly it would be, but I know it would be in the area of mobile computing, oh. something you can carry around. It oh. would use the Internet, and it would probably have a lot to do with social media. Oh! oh well, well, you know. There you go. You know, social media is, it's, I think that, that buzz term, it's got another, maybe, I think it's by the end of 2017, we're on to something else by then. Uh, so. uh, social VR. So enjoy it while you can. That's what I think it could That's be. I was going to go there, yeah. dude. <laughs> Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. If you enjoyed this week's episode, if it made you think of something, or hell, if you just found that information about the Clinton Foundation useful, please consider supporting us. And we'll be back at our regular time next week. You can always check the calendar, jupiterbackhouse.com slash calendar. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. See you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye. Yeah.